Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into Hoopsville on this Thursday evening. It is the 23rd of January. Believe it or not, we're nearly to the end of January, and supposedly next week we will be doing our marathon show. If you think I've gotten anything done about the marathon show this week, you're mistaken because too many other things have been cropping up, including news today that we've already tweeted out. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can certainly um, also email us. Just use my personal account at this point, Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. That's the easiest way to do that. There's also plenty of other things to talk about around Division Three. And we love hearing from you. So we can go to Facebook where we're simulcasting the show. Facebook dot, excuse me, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You can also go to YouTube where we're simulcasting the show. YouTube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. And um, I mean, but if you're watching us on the Team One Sports app or you're watching us uh, on the um, on, online through our Blue Frame technology connection, don't, don't go to the simulcast. Use Twitter. Use um Email. You can go to Facebook and message us if you want. That's certainly an option. Any of those options, we'd, we'd love to see hear from you. And we'll certainly look forward to hearing what you may have to say in interacting with us. So there's certainly the top 25s to talk about. Um, there's plenty to talk about in the top 25. Saw some movement in the top 25s. There were three new men's teams. There was just one new women's team. A little surprising in some of those results, but we did see some movement. Maybe not what we expected, but we'll get to that a little bit later in the program. Um, let's see. We also had um, some upsets. We had some results already this week that we should probably get to. I will call that up here momentarily uh, as we look at the results from around Division Three in the opening few days of this week. But most importantly, the NCAA convention, as we've indicated in the last couple of shows, is underway in Anaheim, California. Uh, next year, we'll be Washington, D.C. We'll probably be there. Uh, they couldn't get out to Anaheim this year. Certainly wish we could have, but we couldn't. And so there you go. But that said, uh, we will be... I do need my glasses on. People are messaging me. Um, we do have news coming out of there. Hello, Laura. Good to see you. Thanks for tuning into the show. Travis John says Augustana had a prime opportunity to knock out North Central on the road last night. That win would have done them a lot of good. Well, yeah, of course, Travis. Not to be flip, but yes, they had a prime opportunity because I would argue every team has a prime opportunity in the CCIW, just as every team in the WIAC has a prime opportunity. It doesn't mean they're going to be able to do it. Let's be realistic. Augustana is not the team of yesteryear, of the last five years. They're good, don't get me wrong. They're well-coached. Greg Giovanni's great. But they are not the same team. Yes, missed opportunity. But you could argue that every single night in the CCIW. All right, so let's get to the breaking news. There's two bits of breaking news here. We've been telling you we would keep an eye on and keep tabs of. The first has to do with regional realignment. You might remember... Um, in the last 18 months, I want to say, maybe maybe two years, um, I want to say year, I, I've lost track of the timing exactly. The There was an effort to change regions in Division Three. Now, what was it, 10 years ago, we went through a realignment that fixed some things, but it didn't solve everything, unfortunately. Of course, the Northeast Conference is, seems to be never solved at this point. However, a new proposal was put out that instead of trying to shoehorn everybody into the situations that they are 
One, we would look at all the sports and see what's working and what's not, what sports need adjustments and what sports are probably okay. More importantly, the division's growing. Is this model working in terms of how many um, schools are in each region? The answer basically was no, it's not working. So the proposal is to realign where necessary, also add regions. And that has taken a significant step forward as of today. The D, from multiple sources, I'm told the D3 commissioners voted today, met and voted today, to overwhelmingly adopt this plan. Now, when this plan first came out, there were some sports that cried foul. Some sports said they were mis not informed of the process. I'm sorry if they felt that way. I have it on very good authority. Everybody was well-informed. Maybe they didn't take it seriously. I don't know. Or maybe they didn't think it would affect them, but it affects everybody. Lacrosse has been, men's lacrosse has been at two regions. I think it's grown to four this year. They were kind of already in that process, so they should have been at four, well, five years ago. Uh, they're at 290 schools now with, with, the, with the sport, and it's just inexcusable. So this move will push that even further. They'll go beyond four regions. They'll probably be getting to six or eight at some point. In men's basketball, go from eight to ten. In football, it will go to six. And there's other sports that will certainly affect soccer as well. The arguments had been – so after those arguments were kind of brought up and, and discussed and, and there was enough vitriol, for lack of a better description, the management council, I believe, maybe the championships council, asked for it to be reevaluated again. It was. Committees were brought in again and discussed with again, and others were brought in. Long story short, it has worked its way through everything. It is now past the commissioners uh, who have, again, overwhelmingly, and, and by one count that I got, it was 40 in favor out of 43. 40 were in favor, one opposed, two abstained. Overwhelming. It now goes to the championships committee who meets in February to discuss that. It is likely... I can't imagine it won't pass the championships committee. And then it goes on to the management's council, which means I think it's going to be about April. I could be wrong on the timing. I didn't get a chance to look up the calendar today. And most likely we'll pass there. And here's the reality. I've been told that those at, uh, at those levels, and certainly from the NCAA's point of view as well, this just makes quote unquote sense. Now I know there's some who don't like it. I know the football side is, is a little upset, and I think, and I'll be blunt, I think the football is not thinking this all the way through. I do realize there'll be more regions than at-large bids, but who cares? I don't think that's a thing. Um, I just, I just don't. I don't, don't think that's a thing. Uh, I date it back to lacrosse where they were, well, with two regions, we don't want these other schools to get bids and steal bids. And if you do the process, folks, it doesn't matter how many regions we have. Um, it will add more voices. Certainly the committees will, will, will expand. So instead of eight members, as we have in basketball, those will be 10. And as I was talking to somebody today, some regions may feel a little small. Well, remember, I think you're allowed up to 25% of the region to be ranked. I think right now it's somewhere between 16 and 21 in most regions advocate for 25 advocate for more teams to be ranked. So be it. This gives a chance for more teams to be ranked, be in the conversation, and at least get more people involved in the conversation. But more importantly, it breaks up the Northeastern basketball. 
it allows us to shift some things around, allow some more balance. Somebody said, well, th there may be no ability in some sports to have the CCIW, WIAC, and MIAC avoid each other from being in each other's conferences in some way or forth. Not all three, but yeah, sure. They're in each other's conferences or they're in each other's regions now. Not, some of this isn't going to change, but it's okay. So that is proved, been approved, and I don't see how this isn't going to go forward. And when it goes forward, that will mean in 2021 and 22. So the 21-22 academic year, these new regions will be in place. No, we don't know what the regions are yet. We don't know um, the names of those regions. We don't know their makeup as of yet. Apparently there is a draft that has been put together, but it has not been approved. It has not been you know, said, yes, that's the plan. They need to go through those steps, and that's why it won't be until 21-22 that we see this expansion. And by then, we may have even more programs in a lot of sports, including lacrosses and soccers and otherwise. But that is, that is the breaking news out of the NCAA that we know for sure will happen. We will see an expansion and a realignment of the regions. I, I would be shocked if the championships committee or the management council at any point in, in the line here derails it. Um, and I'm, I don't have any problems with it. I really don't. Even, even on football's argument, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think people are overthinking things, making things more complicated. Um, one person asked, is this regional realignment similar to how Division Two operates their bracket? If so, I'm not a fan. It's basically like playing your conference tournament over the again the following week. No. Division Three is not like Division Two, and this realignment has nothing to do with what Division Two does. It just has to do with creating more regions in some sports where they have been a little bit too slow, men's lacrosse, um, in growing their regional line uh, numbers. They need to grow faster, and this kind of, to be honest, kicks their ass, gets them to do that faster and, and in a more efficient way. It also allows big behemoth regions like the Northeast to get broken up a little bit. You know, last time we were doing this, we are like, well, who do we take out of the Northeast and put into the East or the Atlantic to try and balance things off? And it was it was felt that that can't happen. Well, now we can add a region in that area and say, take some from the Atlantic, some from the east and some from the northeast and maybe make a pocket and then take some others and realign them and readjust and so forth. The west will get readjusted and looked at in the basketball sense. Um, I don't know what the right solution is. Maybe in the south gets re readjusted. But, you know, there there were. The Centennial Conference in football is in the South region with teams in Texas. Doesn't make much sense. The NJAC in soccer is in the South region with the ODAC. That also makes no sense. So this allows for a little bit more balance and a little bit more obvious. And instead of hamstringing to the, the way it's been, max eight regions, the idea is, wait, let's add two more and then divvy things up. That makes more sense. So maybe those Texas schools, the ASC and the CSAC or the SSAC or whatever we call it, that gets grouped into another region now. And now the South region in basketball is the SAA, the ODAC, the USA South, and maybe another, for all I know. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of shooting from the hip here. Instead of including Texas, Texas gets maybe grouped in with a Skyac. I, I don't know. But it, it would make a little bit more logistical sense, a little bit more obvious sense with the way things are broken up. So that's kind of where we see this going. The second bit of breaking news has to do with, oh, before I jump on that, Alan Karen asks, 
Uh, regarding the regional expansion and alignment news coming from the convention, any word on whether UAA would remain multi-regional in new sports setup? I, I see no reason that it wouldn't. Um, there's absolutely no reason to shoehorn the UAA into a region. It has a grandfather clause, uh, much like the old GSAC did when there was the last realignment, and now the GSAC is obviously gone. Um, but they have a, a clause, essentially, that says you can be multi-regional. There's a catch there, and it has to do with my next news in a minute. I'll, I'll bring that up. But I don't see the UAA getting shoehorned into um, one region. What might be fascinating is that they won't be in every single region like they pretty much are now. I know they aren't in every region. The Atlantic certainly doesn't have a UAA team. The Mid-Atlantic doesn't have a UAA team but or the West, but you kind of get my point. Um, I think that is the next one. Uh, we'll see where they go, but I no, I I highly suspect UAA will be once again grandfathered into being in multi regions. It just doesn't make any sense otherwise, unless they make a floater region. <laughs> um, so the next set of news is we've been talking about the future of the CAC, and we've debated whether you've been reading on the D three boards where I've been posting this, or I've said it on the show as well. Um. Where is the CAC next? And if you remember, when the Southern Virginia and St. Mary's announced that they were leaving the conference back in early December, uh, the first full week of December, those announcements came out. There was an article by in the pilot written down in, in uh, near Christopher Newport about where is the future of the CAC? What is the future for Christopher Newport, et cetera? And when you talk to Christopher Newport, their people were a little bit close to the vest. Clearly saying they're working on some things, didn't know where the future was. Their CAC commissioner, on the other hand, was very enlightening and said, we have probably, you know, seven, I think he said seven to eight schools that we're talking with, and we believe at the convention we can pull something together. Of course, folks like myself starting to try and figure that out. Do we have seven or eight teams sitting in the USA South that are willing, or, or not even seven or eight teams, but a handful of teams that are willing to join the CAC and maybe a handful from somewhere else, and the CAC saves itself because USA South is way too big. The answer is that's not where they're going. The other option was, well, maybe the ACAA will come together with the CAC. And, you know, you got schools out in California, you got Finlandia, you got elsewhere. Maybe they come together as a conference with the CAC. And, of course, the concern was, well, if the D3 institutes what has been widely thought to be being discussed of being – uh, a conference scheduling mandate to go with automatic qualifiers per the ACAA's creation, then that might pull that idea apart because the CAC, there's no way Christopher Newport and Mills College are going to be playing each other once a year in any sport. You're not going L.A. to Virginia Beach. You just, I mean, CNU might be able to justify the cost, but Mills College certainly can't, and we already know Finlandia can't. So the question became, Will the AC come, ACA CAC merger happen with the understanding that, um, that that could be in place? Well, here's your news. The CAC and ACAA, from what sources have told me, met last night and have approved a merger. Now, I don't know anything more than that. Well, I know a few things, but I don't know anything major more than that. I am under the impression... Um, that this will happen immediately, as in next year, as in the 2021 academic year, we'll see an ACAA-CAC merger. 
they will come together in some form. I'm assuming there's going to be no conference scheduling outside of maybe who can play each other on the East Coast. There are certainly a number of teams in the ACAA that are on the East Coast that could conceivably play in a CAC conference schedule, as it were. Remember, scheduling is a very important part of the CAC here. But the USC or the UC Santa Barbara uh, Banana Slugs probably aren't going to be in that mix. Finlandia is going to be a little bit difficult. You do have Mills, and again, that's out in L.A. Kind of doubt they're going to jump in to a schedule like that. That's three of them. Um, but then you have um, Pine Manor. You have Mount St. Mary. You have Pratt. Um, who on? There's a few others here. I want to make sure I've got them all here. SUNY Del- Delhi is leaving, so they're irrelevant. Valley Forge is leaving. They're irrelevant. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six to add, possibly more. I've heard the ACA may grow, may get another one. There's an application in, I've been told, but I don't want to reveal more than that. So six more coming to go with the three that would be remaining in two years' time in the CAC. And now you've got a nine member conference. It's still a conference that can absorb some um, uh, members and lose members. It's, it's fine. It saves the AQ in a lot of sports um, and so on and so forth. And if anything, I'm, I think I'm looking at St. Mary's and going, I think you pulled the ripcord too soon. Is it perfect? No. Do I love it? No. But it appears the CAC's at least saved itself going into next year. Now remember next year, the CAC still has St. Mary's and Southern Virginia next year in the conference. Um, they don't leave for another year after that. Uh, Ver- York, I believe, is gone. I think they join the MAC Commonwealth next year. I could be wrong on that by a year, but I'm pretty, I, I'm, I can't remember. I got to double check that one. So it may be a little convoluted next year, um, but there's still schools that could come into Division Three that could get into this group, have an AQ available. It saves the AQ. So there's your big news. CAC and ACAA, from what I've been told by multiple sources, met last night and approved a merger of some kind. I, I don't know, you know if it would retain, retain the, AC, the CAC title, if it would retain the ACAA title, if it would become a new title. I don't know. It's got to hold on to probably some of the CAC attributes to hold on to the AQ. So essentially the ACAA would disappear. We go back to 42 regions or conferences and the CAC would maintain itself. Doesn't mean they can't go through a name change, though. But that is most likely what happens to hold on to the AQs. And thus, the CAC saves itself from going down to three teams and having no options. Now, it's a crazy fix, but that's the fix it has in front of itself. And apparently, the ACA teams were fine with joining a conference. They probably won't be playing conference games against CNU and the rest. They lose their probably their best chance, but they also get in that large bid. Is essentially where this thing stands. Um, but I've got that from a couple of sources. Um, and unless something changed that I'm not aware of, unless something is inaccurate in what I've been told from multiple sources, from multiple points of view on this, I think that is your solution on that. So there you go. A little bit of breaking news for you at the top of this show. Normally we talk about games and outcomes. One of the biggest games and outcomes last night was Marietta getting thumped on by Mount Union 107.70. Coming up on the show, we will talk to Mount Union's coach in a matter of minutes. Actually, Mike Fuline will join us to talk about that dominating win by Mount Union. 37-point victory, and you could argue maybe it wasn't even that close. 
By the way, Denison, the last team in the NCAC, knocked off Worcester. Remember Worcester beat Wittenberg? There's reasons I don't, wasn't voting for Worcester. Um, I second-guessed myself on Tuesday, but by Wednesday I felt better about it. And then Whitworth and Whitman had a great game, and Whitman came out with a victory, 89-80 in that one. Uh, Augustana, as we pointed out, lost to North Central by 1, 54-53. Stevens Point lost to Oshkosh. I think Oshkosh might be finding its legs a little bit here, but I think they still need to win the conference. Amherst lost again, this time to Williams, 62-60. Amherst is now 11-6. and And Oswego lost again. I don't know what's up with Oswego. They're now 11-3, and lost to Oneonta. So that's just on the men's side. So we'll talk to Mike Feline coming up here in just a matter of moments. Quickly, the rest of our guests, and then we'll take a break. We will be talking on the women's side to Cortland women's basketball coach, J.C. Brooks. That team is leading the SUNYAC. They have wins over both New Paltz and Geneseo, seem to be in control of the SUNYAC women's race. We'll also talk in the WBCA Center Court segment with Keystone women's basketball coach, uh, Christina Danella. She'll talk to you about how she became an assistant coach right out of college and by the four days before the first game had become the head coach of a D2 program. But how that experience and the support of other coaches has led her to Division Three. We'll talk to her about that. And then coming up, we'll talk out west in the Northwest Conference. Pacific is leading the way. What? Yes, Pacific is leading the way. We will talk to their head coach on the women's side about what they have done in the few years under her um, leadership and why they've gotten up uh, to six straight wins in the conference, including Whitworth, Puget Sound, Whitman, and George Fox. Those are, your, those are part of the six wins. We'll talk to her about that. That's all ahead here on Hoopsville. Plus, we'll answer your questions if you have more um, about the the conference uh, news that we've announced or the regional alignment news. We'll try and answer it throughout the show as well. Phil reminds me, he says, I'm remembering correctly, York joins the MAC next season. So, so York leaves, but Southern Virginia and uh, St. Mary's will still be there for one more year. If it is true that the CAC and ACAA are merging next year, year and there's a lot of other details that i don't know right now but we'll learn about soon enough we'll take a break when we come back mount union and mike Feline joins us to talk about the craziness of yesterday's game against marietta and are they finally on everybody's radars you listen to hoops Hope presented by d3hoops.com for the wbca and abc studios more hoops will after this taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. 
suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Mike Meller, head coach of Messiah Women's Basketball and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We really hope you enjoy the show. Back to you, Dave. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this show on Thursday. Started off with a little different with the breaking news instead of recapping everything like we normally do, but say la vie. We'll still get to some of the recapping as we move forward on the show. We'll answer some of your questions as well, should we see them. You can email us, dave.mcue at d3sports.com. You can also um, text, or not text us, tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. Of course, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show, and D3 and YouTube, where it's at D3, I'm sorry, uh, youtube.com at D3 Hoopsville. Tommy says, this is York's last year in the CAC. Yes, Tommy, we, we did confirm that. Um, Travis says, I'm new to Hoopsville, so this might have been beaten to death already, but where does St. Thomas currently stand as far as joining the D1 conference? Travis, stick with the show. We'll at least try and give you an update on that. Uh, by the end, if you don't mind. I need to chat with some other things, as it were, here. All right, so let's talk about that big win. 107-70, Mount Union over Marietta. We knew the game on on this Wednesday was going to be a big one. Obviously, Marietta was leading the conference, and for Mount Union to get a win would mean drawing um, alongside Marietta 
in the conference race and certainly make it a statement. Did we assuredly bet that that's what was going to happen? Of course not. We don't, we don't really know if that's how it's going to play out, but that's what you hope. Well, Mount Union got the win, 107.70. almost wonder if Marietta showed up. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, the man of the coach of the team who did show up, Mount Union. Uh, coach Mike Feline joins us. Coach, um, congratulations, I think. Wow, that was a statement last night. Well, thanks for ha- having us, Dave. Um, it was a good game. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Um, you, you know, I, we've been on the other side of that with, with Marietta. There's just some games where everything you, you kind of put up goes in. And um, But honestly, we're just happy we, we played well and, and got a win. We, we didn't care if it was by one or by how many points and be able to move on. Well, you guys shot 55% in that game, 54% from beyond the arc, 19 of 35, and you out-rebounded them eight, uh, 23 to 10. Uh, that's the wrong number. That was the assist, 23 to 10. The rebounds was 38-31. They still shot well, let's be honest, 44% from the floor, though they were 3 for 15 from deep. Was it just that you guys were hitting shots, or was there other things that were working that, that you guys were able to take advantage of with Marietta last night? I think we did defend you know, pretty well. They have so many weapons. Uh, they're so well-disciplined. Anyone who has seen Marietta play over the years knows um, how structured they are and how, how good at what they do, you know, how good they are at what they do. So we wanted to disrupt that the best we could. Um, once Nathan got into a groove a little bit offensively, uh, it just kind of changed the entire game because you know, when he's making shots and getting to the rim, he also creates for everybody else. I, he had a great game with 36 points, but you know, we had him down for 11 assists. I think that's as impressive or more in a game like that. Yeah, I've got, I noticed you said you had him down for 11 assists. The <laughs> stats had him down for 10, Coach. Uh, 10 of 19 from the floor, 8 for 12 from deep, 8 for 9 for the free throw line in the team. Well, second team high, seven um, rebounds on top of that for his 36 points. Yeah, that was certainly impressive when you get uh, Bauer Malone getting going like that. But, you know, we can't discount necessarily. I mean, it wasn't a lot of points from John Carroll and, and Braden Poole in the starting lineup, just 10. But it's guys like that that I know allow Bauer Malone to be open, or even guys like Frigga, um, who we can talk about in a minute on top of that. But th- this is more than... I assume that Bauer Malone's getting open and getting into great opportunities because the other guys are also doing their jobs. And very true. You know, our goal every year coming in is to have a, have five guys average double figures. I think, especially at the Division Three level, I mean, there's so many skilled players that, you know, the more you can spread it around, it's, it's harder to guard. And uh, we have that type of team. You know, you have guys like Devontae and, and Logan Hill coming off the bench. And, I mean, let's face it, they, they do that willingly, you know, <laughs> to give us a spark and, and usually finish the games for us. So when you have unselfish guys who, who share the ball and who are talented, you know, things like yesterday can happen. I just, it would happen a little more often, you know, but um, it, it was, it's a fun group to coach. Just very, very good group. They play hard. They played together, and um, I'm just very happy for them. The risk, of course, here is you, you can't let this one get to your heads to some degree. Um, Heidelberg probably humbled you guys a little bit back on the 4th when you lost to them by a point. Adrian Trine got you guys back in November. You know, a win over Marietta, 107-70. You can be flying high pretty pretty well in the, in the locker room and feeling pretty good about yourselves, and then Wilmington can say, oh, hi, 
Uh, do you see what Dennison did to Worcester, by the way? You know. Yeah. So how do you keep the team from over-analyzing or over-enjoying this one to some degree? Well, I mean, I think that's the question, right, that every adult knows, every coach knows, <laughs> anyone who's played. Uh, to, to our guys' credit, they understood that leaving the locker room, especially our seniors. We know how difficult of a place Wilmington is to play. It's our furthest trip in the league uh, on the year. But quite honestly, Dave, and, you know, you've been around Division Three basketball a very long time. Anybody in, a, in the OAC on the road, I don't care who it is, if you, you aren't mentally ready to go, you're going to lose. And our, our guys understand that. You know, that that is, doesn't always mean they're going to play well. Mm-hmm. But that message is loud and clear, not only from the coaches, but certainly the seniors on the team who have experienced it. And, um, you know, th- those games that you talked to us, I'm not sure if they – if they humbled us, I, I just think we got beat. You know, yeah. we got beat. We got smacked in the face a little bit, and that's okay. The way we responded from those is what I've been most impressed about with these guys. And I mean, if you look around the scope of Division One basketball even, I mean, it's just hard to win on the road. And, yeah. Um, there's a lot of really good teams out there who, who struggle with that. And then there's the really, really good teams who don't. <laughs> and <Right>. that's why <laughs> they are ranked where they're at. Uh, and I should point out that, uh, this game was at home, and you took advantage of that opportunity. You want to win at Timken. Um, sure. And certainly, even a one-point win is a big win over Marietta. But does this does a statement win like that, is it something that people can should read into a little bit and go, okay, you know, I know at the beginning of the year we thought, I said I thought Mount Union was a team to keep an eye on this year. Granted, the November games made that a little tough to ride that, that boat, but does this win kind of, make the presence known Mount Union is also the other team in this OAC. I, I hope so. I, I would hope that last year did that, you know, yeah. not to be a dead horse, but you know, we were a very good team last year. Absolutely. I mean, we go 22 and six. And, um, you know, we, we, we finished the league playing 21 league games out of those 28 and, and finishing 16 and five. Like that's a really good team. And, and I think other coaches who, who had seen us play and played against us would say the same thing. So I, you know, I'm biased now. Oh, of <laughs> course. I, you know, Dave, I mean, we were very good last year and, and very talented. And I, we have a lot of those same guys back this year, you know, and um, that doesn't mean we're perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But one thing that we do like to do is go on the road and play different teams and challenge ourselves. You know, that Michigan trip, I mean, we got beat. We played two very prepared teams with great coaches and their best players played great. And, and ours – struggled a little bit yeah. and 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 that's what made us respond i think the way that we did went to florida had a great time you know got together all the families were down there grew closer together as a team and now you hope as the season continues you start to build off of that you sure. know so the statement for us i don't think is is the margin of victory i think it just kind of got away a little bit last night but um you know winning a game like that against a very talented team does help your confidence and we understand now we bring our a game we can we can play with anybody i'm talking to mike Fuline, the head coach of mountain union 13 and 3 on the season 8 and 1 now in conference action of course heidelberg being the one um that is the one loss in conference but now tied with uh, and really a half game lead because you've got the tiebreaker officially with um uh with marietta though one game to play between the two Talk about the players a little bit. Um, Colin Curley leading the way as a sophomore, 17 plus points a game. We talked about Bauer um, Malone. He's second on the team at 16 and a half points a game. Frigga, the senior, off the bench at 13 points a game. 
And you got guys like Hill, Slack, and Poole, uh, even Painter Jr., who certainly are contributing along the way. Um, in terms of rebounding, your, your top guy there is either Hill or Poole at five rebounds plus. And, of course, we, we think ba- uh, Bauer Malone's really good at shooting. He averages 6.1 assists a game. I cannot see why you wanted him to have 11. Um, <laughs> he certainly does it all well, but talk about how the other guys compliment him. Uh, you know, they do. Again, it's the system that we, we've been accustomed to is just we're finding the open man, you know, whoever that may be. I mean, a great example last night, Dave, was, you know, Nate had 16 at halftime um, or even, no, I think he maybe had 18. I, I don't know. But I can find out. Through, yeah, I mean, he, he was rolling. And then came out in the second half. I don't know if he, he had 24 had a, at halftime. Oh, I'm sorry. See, I'm bad at this stuff. <laughs> I just try to move on to the he next one. He sandbagged him there. Yeah, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> you know, and he comes out, and I don't think he even um, looked to score. I think he, he, he didn't take a shot until about the 13-minute mark and because he just they, they changed some things defensively, and, and he found the open man. And as a coach, that's the best feeling, right? So, he gets others involved. Other people get him involved. There's times when he just kind of needs a break and Colin brings the ball to the floor, Devontae or Chris, and, and just kind of get him coming off some screens. So we just try to not make it real complex, mm-hmm. but understand that, um, you know, we're just trying to find who's open. We're sure. trying to create that guy's open. We're sharing it and you're shooting it. And if you miss it, we're going to try to rebound it and shoot it again, you know, so well, he try went, to simplify it as much as we can. He went from three assists at halftime to 10. So clearly yeah, that, yeah. that example is there um, in what he did. Um, what is, what is it about this team that, I mean, I know what I was told. You got a couple transfers and it looked like you had some pieces that, that were coming together. We knew you guys had a pretty strong season last year, building into this year to some degree, obviously everybody loses some players and, and sure. the adjustment to that is always in the conversation. But what is it about this team that, that you were so, gung-ho about this season outside of what we've talked about in the sense of yeah that we we know that these guys are going to be good but is there is there something that we can't see in a box score that shows how good these guys are well I, I think the experience of last year you know playing in a lot of those big games and having some success carries over sure. and, and we did get we got a, a huge transfer in Logan Hill um, who was from our, my hometown in, in Jackson where I coached high school before this and he's going to be a great addition for us over the next few years. And, he, and the way he fit in, uh, just from a personality standpoint, a leadership standpoint, is like was like the greatest relief ever, right? Because we haven't had a transfer, and that was a big deal for us. Um, so that was huge. And you, once you saw the team kind of coming together um, and, and really getting along and, and, and forming that that relationship, that family, as we call it here. Uh, you felt pretty good, and then you start practicing a little bit, and you knew there was a long way to go. But then there were just flashes, Dave, where you're like, "Oof, that looked pretty good," you know. And if we can just kind of <laughs> tie some of those things together, then you know we're going to have a chance to to make some noise. And and we knew our our, our schedule was going to be really tough, um, especially in the non-league. But you know we're thankful for that now, and yeah. it, it kind of kind of preparing us for, for the long road. Uh, a couple other topics about this team that I'd love to chat with you about. First, let's talk with Frigga. Um, <laughs> I've watched only bits and pieces, and I wanted to watch more and feature one tonight, but uh, my schedule got a hold of me today. Um, he, he goes out there, and he shows himself off on YouTube in most crazy way, 
and and not just himself. He, he's showing lots of people off. He's it's it just happens to be his channel. What right. what's it like to be around a guy who's that? Um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, but that kind of energetic, that kind of uh, out there, just like hey, here we are, and this is what right. we do. It's very different. Well, here, here's what I would tell you, and I think I, I have I've said this before somewhere, but you know, I, I have five children, yes. you know, and so the, the number one question I get is, hey, Mike, how's your family? How's the kids? Great. <laughs> the second one is, you know, does this, you know, Devontae, does this drive you crazy? And, you know, those types of things. And and to be honest with you, we're, we are kind of private. I think every coach deep down likes to kind of keep things inside, mm-hmm. you know, but then there's always that guy, right? And and I, I just, he's a special guy. The, the word you said was energy. I would yeah. add passion involved. There he's we got go. a great story to tell, and it's it's a great Division three story. You kind of came in here, un, un, not very heavily recruited at all, and then has worked himself into an outstanding player, um, a family that it, it travels all over the place to come in and watch us play. So he's kind of built this brand. I remember three years ago, I can hear my, my son listen to his phone, and it sounded like I was talking. I'm like, Mikey, what are you listening to, bud? <laughs> He goes, well, Devontae is vlogging. And, I mean, honest, Dave, honestly, I didn't know what the heck he was talking about. I didn't know what that meant. I get it. Sure. So, yeah, you know, and then as the time goes on, he came and said, Coach, you know, we're, we're going to do some of these things. And, and I'm like, okay, I, I trust you. And I told him I trust you, but understand, you have eight-year-olds watching this, like, you right. know, and people who really care. And he took that to heart. And from everything I've been told, it's tremendous. Now, I will be honest with you. I've never watched one because I'm afraid to. You know, I told him after the season, I'll watch them all. You know, but our assistants say he does a great job. He, he knows what to put in and what not to. Um, and he's just a great role model for Division Three. He, he just really is. Probably for the younger generation, guys like us don't really get it. And that's okay. Like, I, I'm okay with that. Um, as long as things are being done in, in the positive light, and for what I've been told, that that's what's happening. Well, I'll, I'll say this much: good advice. Telling him, "Hey, remember who might be watching this? You don't right. realize." That's the best advice I think you could be given because too many people go out there and do this kind of stuff and don't think. Oh, wait a minute! Somebody like my ten-year-old, or your nine-year-old, or even your sixteen-year-old could be watching this um, and taking it in themselves. So that's that's the best advice I've ever heard. Um, on the flip side of that. Uh, I noticed the um, the uh, picture on online. It was saved. To, it was shared with me certainly as well. Um, you guys save a special seat on the end of your bench for Papa. Can you give us a little bit more of a story about what you guys do with with Papa and the special shirts you guys have been wearing? Well, I appreciate that question. You know, my father, just like all of us, you know, is, is a special person uh, in my life and, and has been there since I've coached freshman high school basketball. <laughs> at 19 years old at Ravenna High School, has always sat at the end of the bench um, and has been the biggest supporter that you've ever seen. So uh, he has been at every game for 24 years. And, and during that Michigan trip, you want to talk about a heck of a weekend, but, you know, he just wasn't feeling too well and, and was getting some, some water retention in his stomach and just didn't look right. Um, to come make a long story short, he was diagnosed with, with multiple myeloma Mm. Here, you know, a few a few weeks ago, and has spent about 15 days in, at the Cleveland Clinic and started some chemotherapy with some of the best doctors in the world. And 
Um, you know, we're excited to say he's he's on his way home as as we speak. Good. Uh, and and is going to fight that. You know, there's really not a cure for that, but there's certainly a lot of treatment to keep him uh, around a while. All of our a lot of our former guys were here last night. I, we kind of kept it private, but obviously our assistants just did a great job. They couldn't keep it in anymore. Um, <laughs> and he always has sat at the end of the bench forever and ever. And it's weird. Like it's it wasn't as fun last night you know people are like Mike you, you had to really enjoy that and you're happy for your guys but selfishly I, I was a little upset sure. you know that he couldn't be here so you know we kind of you know it's not one of these dedications like I make fun of them like hey no one's dying yet here brother you know let's not get all sentimental but we talk about family Dave in our program and I know a lot of Yes. A lot of programs do, but we're a big Italian family. We try to make that into our basketball family. So when one of us is hurting, you know, we all are. Um, but I appreciate you asking that, and, and hopefully, you know, there's some brighter days here down the road. Well, of course, we know the Chris Wensler story at John Carroll um, yep. battling multiple myeloma also at the Cleveland Clinic. Um, so we know, that, we know that that battle's like, but we also know that that battle can be beaten. So we wish your father well, and thanks for sharing the story. I really appreciate it. Um, I just saw the picture of the of the seat, yeah, that was shared with yeah. me, and I just had to ask because that's. Yeah. But well, I, I already, already you doing that. I knew about your dad sitting on the end of the bench. That's that's a great story in itself. Um, yeah, but on it top is. of that, and so our best to your family, our best to your dad, and hopefully we see him on the end of the bench the next time you beat Marietta. Uh, yeah. as well. Um, Thank you. Sorry, Marietta fans. I'm not trying to say anything <laughs> in particular. Um, I got to let you go. I'd love to talk to you more. I have a feeling we will be talking to you more in the near future in itself, but congratulations on a, on a statement win to say the least for this season, but also congratulations on really the season going the way you guys had hoped it would. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Many final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in. You know, I, I just want to say thank you for everything you do for Division Three basketball. Um, you know, it's it's a special it's a special thing. I mean, it's the most genuine sport I think at this level, and and the players and the families get to enjoy it, and we're just happy to be a part of it and uh, look forward to hearing from you in the future, my man. Well, no, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate. It. I suspect you'll have new assistant coaches next year after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was. will be openings. You know, it was a little bit of a tearjerker, and I did not want to do that before or after the game. But sure. it, it, it got to me a little bit, you know. So I was very upset, and it made them buy me the first beer last night. <laughs> I can tell you that. That's good. <laughs> well, hey, appreciate the kind words. Thanks for sharing the story. Thanks for giving, coming on the show. We'll talk to you down the road and enjoy the rest of the season. Thanks, David. Take care, bud. Absolutely. Mike Fuline joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Appreciate the assistant coaches putting out the word as well. But also thanks to their SIDs, and we'll get to the list at the end, but our friend Lenny especially. But um, they also have an assistant who helped us out today, and I really appreciate it. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll jump into some women's basketball. Head up to New York. Cortland is dominating, not dominating, but they're leading the SUNYAC race. We'll find out from J.C. Brooke about the Red Dragons and what she expects in the rest of the Suniac race and whether Cortland has now supplanted the usual names we've seen at the top of the conference race. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops Hope after this. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop 
teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday. By the way, hats off, Bob Quillman. He is on his way, apparently, over New Mexico right now, flying somewhere. I don't know. But he's tweeted out that he is, I see a picture of an airplane wing and engine. So at least we know the plane's in the air and successfully flying. 
and then a picture of me doing an interview with Mike Fuline. So apparently he's decided to pay for the Wi-Fi to listen to the show. So, uh, Bob, hats off, sir. Uh, we look forward to having you back on the show in the near future. That's pretty cool, watching the show. And that, By the way, not the only one I've known who's done that, but the only one who's shown pictures. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk women's basketball. If you're looking for interesting races, may I suggest you look in the SUNYAC. Uh, it's always an interesting race on the men's and women's side, let's be honest. But on the women's side, the one-game lead is Cortland's. They're perfect in the... Conference right now at 7-0, and 13-1 overall. New Paltz is a game behind him. Well, because Cortland beat him. And Geneseo's two games back, in part because Cortland beat them. Cortland's really having a heck of a season under J.C. Brooks. This is a program that was a 500 program a few years ago. Certainly had its breakout moments, but it's been a while since we've seen a 21 season. But they're 13-1. and When you're 13-1, and you get my attention. It also helps to have a sports information director I know pretty well who's going to get my attention. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Skype hotline live from Pittsburgh, I believe. It's J.C. Brooks. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you. Thank you. We're actually in Plattsburgh. So. Plattsburgh. Pittsburgh, Plattsburgh. It's the same yeah. thing, right? <laughs> just, just a little colder up here. Yeah. Northeast <laughs> New York versus heading to the southwest. Okay. A little different. A little different. Right, right. Uh, for, of course, you're in Plattsburgh because coming up. <laughs> You've got Plattsburgh on the brutal part of the trip because yes. you'll also then play SUNY Potsdam the next day. Yeah. In case you were curious, Coach, I decided to remind you of the brutality of the schedule. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. First and foremost, congratulations. 13-1, and 7-0 and in conference play. The one loss coming to Ithaca. Ithaca's always tough, but it came in game three of yeah. the entire season. You beat Geneseo on the 6th of December in overtime, and you've kept things rolling since then. You've got to be pretty thrilled with where the team is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, after after that, if the coat loss, uh, I believe we we learned a lot as a whole, and um, things just started coming together. And we just focus on getting better each day and and playing the best that we can, um, staying hungry, staying focused. And uh, you know, they're playing really good basketball right now, so it's been it's been fun. And certainly playing good basketball. Your, your last win over New Paltz that was the big one on Tuesday, sixty-one fifty-five. It was at home. You got Oswego before that by 12. You beat Oneonta before that and in, in easy f uh, fashion. Fredonia was an easy game, and I'm just looking at, at re end results. Buffalo State, et cetera, we can keep going back. You got to win over Hamilton. Things are certainly going well. I, I've been asking this because it's hard for us to always gauge what coaches expected going in. Did you expect this kind of success from the team going in? Um, I'll have to be honest with you and say no. Um, okay. I, I did graduate seven seniors last year. Sure. Um, so I brought in seven freshmen. And, um, you know, obviously you never know when, you, when you're going through the recruiting process how quickly the, the freshmen are going to make the transition to college basketball. Um, you know, I was fortunate, obviously, to get a Division II transfer, which has been a, a tremendous asset. Uh, but if you would have told me, you know, when we started on October 15th, where we'd be right now, um, I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand that. And certainly losing the seven seniors is key. Uh, yeah. Actually, I forgot to check what you guys did last year because it's one of those things that, you know, I don't need to think about. Right. Um, it's last year, right, Coach? We don't right, need to worry right. about it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but more importantly, as I double check that, this conference has been basically the Geneseo race for a number of years. You guys last year were 12 and 14. New Paltz had led the way at 17 and one in conference play. Geneseo was 15 and three. You guys were at eight and 10. To be right. honest, it'd been kind of how this conference had been for a few years. Yeah, While you sure. lost to seven seniors, what has flipped? <laughs> um, you know, I think 
you know, one of the biggest things is obviously the recruiting. Um, you know, I hit the recruiting trail pretty hard all last year. Um, and I wanted just to get a higher level level player. And I was fortunate enough to, to do that, um, you know, which has been been a great thing to have. Um, the other thing is, you know, last year coming in as a first year head coach, here it is October 15th and I'm implementing my new offense and defensive system. And I think we had nine practices before our first scrimmage, you know, so we struggled early on, um, you know, last season by January, February, we were we were doing well. We had, you know, won six SUNYAC games in a row. Um, and then coming back in this year, I think my six returners that I did have, they did a great job from when they came on campus the end of August with implementing that new offensive and defensive system to the girls when they were playing pickup. And I just think I got a head start on, on that because of those uh, returners. So I think that helped us to get where we want to be. Um, and like I said before, the freshmen have made that transition quicker than I expected. Yeah, certainly quicker. I mean, with leaps and bounds to some <laughs> yeah. degree, um, insane how well they have done. I'm, I'm pulling up the stats here. My computer's running a little sluggish on me tonight. But when you look at the stats, what jumps out at me is that you've got certainly a double double figure players, but you you're deep and, and you're probably deep because, well, you've got seven freshmen and you're still trying to figure out who's going to provide what. But let's see, one, yes. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players have played in every game. Yeah. Twelve have played in nearly every game. Yeah, that that's that's willing to go deep and, and make sure right. to get. Uh, is that because you're trying to figure out everything? Um, I think so. You know, one of the, one thing that I do focus on with my kids is, you know, putting multiple practices together where they, they play really well. And when I see kids do that throughout the week, I, I reward them with playing in games. You know, if you can put a, a good week of practice together, you deserve to that opportunity. Um, and I will admit it's made my job a little bit tougher because, you know, any given day I can put a kid in and it's like, holy cow, I don't want to take them out, you know, yeah. because they're, they're taking advantage of that playing time. Um, but it has been nice, you know, if a kid is struggling that I can go to the next kid on the bench that's going to bring, you know, that level that the other kid may have brought, you know. Um, I've had to live with a couple freshman mistakes, you know, where you just got to live through when you're when you're playing young. Um, but they've done a great job where they're making mistakes and learning from them. And, you know, I always tell them, make a new mistake, make a new mistake. And they've kind of <laughs> bought into that. <laughs> We talk about the freshmen, though. We should point out you're still led by a senior in Beth Bonin, uh, nearly 18 points a game. She shoots 40% from beyond the arc. She's your biggest three-point shooter. She also averages nearly four assists a game and, and hauls down four and a half um, um, rebounds a game. She also shoots 41% uh, from the floor. And then it's a junior in Shannon McGuire at 11 points a game, also nearly four assists a game. Uh, shoots as, as well, 39% from the floor, and is also an outside threat. So while we talk about the freshman, it's that freshman junior, and I shouldn't leave out, I think it's Flanagan, also the other junior. Yeah. That, that trio is certainly still leading the way. Right, 100%. You know, and I was fortunate. Uh, Beth is actually a senior transfer for us. Uh, I get have one year with her. Um, she transferred from Queens College, and, hmm. uh, you know, it's a 1,000-point score there in three years. Um, like I said, so I was fortunate to get her. Uh, over the summer, and she's been obviously a huge, a huge addition to, to what we're doing. Um, you know, and then my juniors with Shannon and Megan, um, last year as sophomores, you know, they didn't play as freshmen, um, you know, under Coach Mosier. And they uh, came in, and Shannon led us in scoring last year, and she got used to having kind of that role. And, you know, this year she does have the same role, but not as much pressure with obviously having Beth on the floor. 
Um, you know, Megan is just kind of our hustle player that does all the dirty work, you know, so I need her on the floor. Um, you know, her energy is contagious. And, you know, those three really do do a great job of leading us. Is there an element here of the unknown that the, the conference just didn't know what you had? <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, you know, once we started playing early on, you know, Beth's name, obviously people are looking at stat sheets and, you know, mm-hmm. they get familiar with it. Um, but I think as we've we've gone on and, and had some success, it's really about, you know, if you try to hone in on Beth, we do have other people that can score. Um, it's not just, you know, a one man team. And, you know, she does a good job at distributing the ball when when necessary. But other kids have stepped up. Um, you know, when, when she is struggling or, you know, getting double teamed or whatnot and, uh, you know, other people can, can, can put the ball in the hoop. Well, let's point out, you still have 11 games left in this. Uh, as we point out, we're on the road to Plattsburgh and then Potsdam, and that is not the easiest of trips. (laughs) So at least it's getting done with now, but the conference knows you, they've seen Mm -hmm. you beat Geneseo in overtime. They've seen you beat new Paltz. Um, luckily the Geneseo win was on the road, the new Paltz game, you still have to play on the road. Right. Um, how do you keep this team reminded without boring them to be blunt that <laughs> everyone knows you now and now they're coming for you? Right. Um, I think we always have a, a word of the week. Um, you know, we talk about it in practice and actually the last couple of weeks, the word hasn't changed. Um, and it's multiple words and it's stay hungry. Uh, you know, stay hungry for success. And something that goes along with that is staying focused. Um, You know, we look at what the game ahead of us, you know, we never overlook anybody. Doesn't matter who we're playing. We do the same preparation, the same scouting report. Um, But, you know, my biggest job right now is, is keeping them focused, you know, um, being able to bring it every day, uh, you know, and I think they learned their lesson a little bit last weekend. Um, You know, we didn't have a sharp practice the, the day before we went to up to Oswego. And um, the first half, we were on the struggle bus. You know, we scored six points in one quarter. It was it was not fun. But that was a great learning lesson for us that, you know, within this league, anybody can be anybody on any given night. And uh, being able to bring it every day in practice so you feel good about going into games and being sharp. And, um, you know, so every day before practice, we talk about it and, you know, get 1% better every day and, and bring it to get ourselves and each other better. I'm curious, how does your trip, I, I, while you were talking and talking about the team getting better and obviously not, not resting on your laurels, how, <laughs> I, I looked up the directions on this trip because um, I, I know the New York area, but I was kind of curious. How do yeah. you guys get from Cortland to Plattsburgh? So, so what we did um, today, uh, both us and the men's team, we traveled together on the same bus and uh, we practiced this morning, 9 to 11, and we got on the bus at 1230. Departed Cortland, and we actually kind of go down, not quite mm-hmm. almost to Binghamton, but no. then we go, yeah, then we go up 88, you know, what? past Oneonta, yeah, and then uh, we stop in Albany, you know, we, we stop at the mall, let them grab some food, walk around uh, for about an hour, and then we get oh back on the bus and goodness. finish the three-hour drive. <laughs> you, so. you don't even go to 90? No, no, we, Coach Spanbauer, who's our men's coach, who's been in been in it a long time. Um, this is his route, and this is the way he takes Insanity. us. So I'm, I'm just along for the ride. So I know the trip as a drive. You take <laughs> it up. You go around Syracuse. You hit 90. You hit the throughway. You right. take that to Rome, 
And then you yeah. shoot north of Utica. Basically, the reason I got so intrigued because it goes, you you would drive right past my aunt and uncle's house on 365. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and go through through the Adirondacks and then hit 87 north of Lake George and then go up to Plattsburgh from there. But you guys go south? Yeah, a little bit. It's like southeast. And yeah, I get it. Yeah. I know I know, the tri- I know where you're going <laughs> to shoot over to 88, but it, that makes it more insane to me. Why don't you I- play Onianta on the way? Oh yeah, we hit that. Those are on a you're right. That would make it. We should be smart and just make it a three game stretch. Right. Come on, wow! And of course, I yeah. assume you stay north. You go to Potsdam, and then you take Potsdam through Watertown. Back yeah, home. yeah. So, so that part's normal. Right, right. Well, yeah, and wow. we will stay in Plattsburgh. Um, you know, obviously tonight and tomorrow night, and then we'll get up Saturday morning and head to Potsdam. Um, coach. Uh, hmm. I, I don't mean to second guess coaches, but Coach Spanbauer, <laughs> I think, needs to be talked to. Okay. I, I'm okay. just saying. I'll, I'll do I'm not that saying you too. have to go 365 through the Adirondacks. Right. But wow, I've never yeah. seen it. Well, it fits what New England, there's a lot of places in New England you can't get there from here. Right. Right? right. And there's no straight line. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. fits. I, um, I, was, I was thinking, might as well just go up to Montreal since we're, we're pretty well, close, right. close to that. <laughs> Take a trip, make it educational. The school will love you for it. That's right. Um, obviously, you got this trip ahead. You're also at Fredonia and at Buffalo State. So the next two weeks, a little bit challenging, though. Fredonia State yeah. and Buffalo State, not like going to Plattsburgh. Um, right. And then you kind of have a bulk at home. Oswego, Potsdam, Plattsburgh, Brockport, and Geneseo will all be home with a sprinkling of Oyanta and New Paltz on the road. Yeah. So I'm assuming get through these four, and then you can kind of take a <laughs> breath and then focus on just maintaining the home. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think, um, you know, I'm excited about being at home. Um, you know, we, we seem to really get up. The crowd has been great. We've gotten great support this year. Um, but like we said, with our next four here on the road, it is just, you know, focusing on this. Our, to be honest, when we played at Oswego last Saturday, that was the first time we were on the road since playing at Brockport early, early December. Gotcha. Um, you know, so we're still getting used to, you know, the road trips, you know, and, and what entails and, you know, getting there a little bit early, but, you know, not having our shoot arounds and things like that. So, um, but I am excited to, to test, be up for the test and see how we do, um, you know, with our focus on these next four being on the road. Uh, I should point out, Fran, uh, your SID reminding me of a few things. 23 game winning streak in conference now dating back to last year. Um, you hadn't beaten Geneseo since the 15-16 season, hadn't won there since 13-14. Um, by the way, you also had a game, a, a good game against St. Bonaventure, or not, yeah, St. Bonaventure to start the season where, yeah. you, where you used to work, Coach. Yes, um, yes, that was fun. <laughs> and you've, you know, this is a program that certainly has been in the mix for conference titles, but it hasn't come since 2010. Um, you're just in your second year leading this program. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is the ultimate goal that you're telling the team? Is this a SUNYAC championship that you're hoping to get? Or is it, come on, we need to take more steps before we aim for the big apple yeah. or at least make it a goal. Yeah. We don't even, I mean, we don't, we don't even talk about, uh, like a, winning the championship right now. Um, you know, our goal is just to be playing our best basketball at the end of February and, uh, keeping climbing the hill, doing the little things consistently, working hard, um, but yeah, we, we don't, we haven't even talked about our record once, you know, obviously with the new Paul's, they knew it was a lot on the table to take that sole possession of first place. But, um, you know, I just encourage them every day, you know, let's, let's play our best basketball at the end of February and let's see what happens. Well, is it Machias, New York? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, is Machias, Maine. I wanted to make sure it's said the same way and I don't know okay. if Machias, Maine says it right. So yeah. 
That's how um, we say it. So you went from Achias, Maine to Buffalo State as a player, stood out there. We we certainly know how well you did in the SUNYAC there. And then you went into coaching and you and you did certainly your fair share of D one. What what brought you back to D three? Um, you know, I think to be honest, playing division three basketball, you know, at Buff State, you um, you know, as a coach, I always had an appreciation for a D three athlete. And, uh, you know, spending 11 years as a Division One assistant, you know, gave me great experience and three fantastic mentors with, with Jim Crowley, who's at Providence now, and Coach Zay, who's an assistant at VCU, and Coach Roos from Bowling Green. Um, you know, they taught me a, a little bit of everything. And years ago, people would ask me, do you want to be a head coach? And I was like, no, I, I loved my role as an assistant. <laughs> but I think as, as time went on and my, my responsibilities changed, especially at Bowling Green, I finally got that urge to be a head coach and that itch where I really felt that, Hey, I want to do this. Um, you know, and I was wondering, do I go D3? Do I, you know, try to stay in D1 longer just to go D1? But but I knew at the end of the day, no matter what level I had to take, you know, we all know there's, there's good jobs and bad jobs, you know, across the country. And I knew I wanted a good job. And so when Cortland opened up, um, it was like, Holy cow, that, that's a good job, you know, just with the tradition and the success and the academic majors and the support from the athletic department. Um, you know, so I threw my, my, my name in the mix. And, uh, you know, once being on campus, it, I got that Division three feel again. And, you know, after working with Division one athletes for 11 years, you know, thinking about the opportunity to coach athletes that were once like myself, you know, that you literally play play the game for the love of it. You know, you're yeah. not getting that scholarship, but you do it because you love it. Um, you know, and it just, it, it really being, like I said, being on campus made me want to do it. And um, I said, Nope, I'm going to, I'm going to go be a D3 head coach and uh, love it. Love it. Wouldn't want it any other way. Um, by the way, you're already, I see the chair of the East region committee for women's basketball. They've thrown yeah. you into the fire. Have they not? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I just kind of applied to be on the committee because obviously the regional stuff is very new to me. Sure. Um, after coming from division one, you know, and I was like, Oh, it's I would very like different coach. <laughs> yes. 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 And after being on the, on the committee, they kind of just assigned me to be the chair. So I have been learning, you know, the last couple of weeks, our, our conference calls and we just, um, coming up, I'm, we're doing the mock, you know, rankings and this and that, but, uh, you know, I'm kind of le- leaning on the rest of the committee who does have a lot of experience to help guide me a little bit more. Um, but looking forward to it. It's, it seems like it's going to be be interesting and a fun race and, you know, always loving to learn new things. I should have known that you were a chair because the, 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 com- the national committee all seems to be made up of coaches who are having really good seasons, who are going to be in the <laughs> mix for the national t- tournament. <laughs> meaning they can't participate in at-large selections or bracketing. Of course you're in the mix, Coach. You're going to have to get removed from a phone call. Of course this is how this works. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay yeah, of with course. that if we stay in the mix. Of course. If, there, if you had your druthers, as they say, uh, right. that one you'd take. Coach, really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. Really uh, appreciate the, the, the thought of what your team is, and Thank congratulations. You. Stay warm up there in Plattsburgh. We have a tradition on this show that we always give the final word to the coach. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Um, just would like to, to thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, as a former D3 player and now a Division III, uh, you know, head coach, I think what you do for our, our Division Three world is fantastic. Um, you know, I look forward to watching the show and just kind of staying in the loop with, with what's going on across the, the country. But 
thank you for having me and thanks for everything you do. Well, thanks. Kind words of you. I appreciate it. Congratulations awesome. again. Look forward to talking to you down the road. And again, tell Spanbar <laughs> this is, Southeast idea is insanity. Okay. okay. That's just my opinion. I don't, I'm not, I don't live up there. <laughs> okay. I will be sure to let him know. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to listen. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much. Take care. We'll okay. talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. JC Brooks joining us on the Blue Frames Technology Skype Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate her taking the time. That was fun to chat with her. Can't believe, she, I mean, right into the regional mix. Um, if you had any questions, Coach, they're gone. <laughs> uh, we'll look forward to seeing how Cortland does the rest of the way. That Suniac race is not over. New Paltz and Geneseo still in the mix. It'll be fun to see how it all shakes out. When we come back, we talk more about the coaching road, as it were. Keystone's women's basketball coach, Coach Danella, joins us to talk about how she went from getting her first grad assistant assistant coaching job out of college to being the head coach just four days before the start of the season and three months after being employed. It's how it actually helped her get to Keystone, believe it or not. We'll talk to her coming up and still ahead. We also talked to Pacific's basketball coach, Coach Patrick uh, Parker, joins us. They're both pre-taped, so they're all coming up ahead. And at the end of the show, we'll come back to the topics we already talked about, answer some of your questions and whatnot. Um, if you stay with us, I saw an email. I'm going to get to it real quick. If you stay with us, Peyton, I will try and answer your questions at the end of the show. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else 
is speechless. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Welcome Hoopsville, back to everybody. Hoopsville. On this Thursday I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches no Association. We hope you enjoy now, the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Amy Reed, head coach at RIT and a member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. As always, you may notice there's no video box up now. Well, that's because we've entered a pre-taped part of the show. Every once in a while, we've got to kind of pre-tape segments to get coaches we want on the air on particular days, and that's kind of what we're doing now. If you've got questions for us, trust me, there's still more live show left. You can tweet us at D3Hoopsville. Use a hashtag Hoopsville. Of course, we're simulcasting the show, and you can interact there as well on that stream at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Also on YouTube at youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. Of course, we want to thank our partners at Blue Frame Technology for the streaming capabilities in the first place. We hope you're enjoying it, maybe, on your big screen. All right, so let's talk on Thursdays, as we always do, about the WBCA, big partners of Division Three, and, of course, of Hoopsville, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. On Thursdays, we present our WBCA Center Court. This week, a little bit different, and we've honestly had some different topics, from a cancer fight to raising money. In this case, about being thrown in the deep end, as it were, and really the the experience of coaching. There's lots of different tracks of how someone gets to a head coach. I'd argue this story is not your prototypical, but it does kind of harken back to the older times. Remember the Dave Hicksons and the Glenn Robinsons of the world? They started their head coaching jobs a year or two out of college, well, that's kind of what the story is on this one as well. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the WBCA Center Court is Christine, Christina Danella, the head coach of Keystone. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. First and foremost, let's just talk about the fact that you have a, a very diverse background. You played and graduated at Marist. Uh, mm -hmm. You have also coaching experience in Division Two and Division Three. 
you basically had all the divisions covered very quickly in your career. Yes, and I mean, it's been a great experience so far. Um, like you said, I played Division One. Um, I've coached at Division Two for five years, and I'm in my second year of coaching at Division Three. And we will get to the, the, the differences of those divisions here in a bit, and mm-hmm. we'll all certainly talk, I mean, not that we don't know the, di- the differences, but we'll talk about mm-hmm. why in Division Three too. But we should point out again, you were at Marist, you got that D1 experience. What decided for you to go the, the coaching route? Um, I knew from a really young age that that's what I wanted to do. I loved um, just coaching kids when I was growing up, whether it was AU teams or um, just camps and clinics. So I knew that was something I really wanted to uh, do when I got older. So what I'm curious, as a D1 student athlete, what gets you into the system? What gets you down through the pipeline, as it were, to where you're going to end up as whether it's a, a, a GA or an assistant or whatever, how does that process start when you're a student? Well, I actually went to um, the WBCA, so you want to be a coach program. I went through that as a senior at Marist, and it was a great experience. Um, they taught me a lot of great things. I got to network with a ton of people from across the country, so that was huge, and I felt like that really um, got me interested even more into being a grad assistant because. I got my schooling paid for for my master's, so um, (laughs) (laughs) that was also a plus. So I got to do what I loved, um, start my coaching career, and uh, continue on my education. Fascinating. Uh, Did you also, though, at Marist, have the ability and the time to be more involved with the coaches and what they're doing, or did you kind of just immerse yourself and, and absorb it while watching? I tried to do that. I mean, um, I I was a redshirt as. a redshirt junior at Maris because I did transfer. So during that year, I felt like I really got to learn um, our entire system, offense, defense, and kind of the behind the scenes of coaching. So I really used that year to my advantage. Um, and then while I was playing during my junior and senior year, um, I got to learn from, I mean, one of the best coaches in the entire country. That is true. That is true. Yes. <laughs> not, too, not too shabby a coach there at Maris. No, he's, he's awesome. Um, and so then what, what took you to the next step? You're graduated, you're done, you know you're, you got the coaching bug now, or at least you think you do. What, what's your next step of finding where you're going to end up? Um, I mean, I started applying for graduate assistant jobs, and um, I went out to Urbana University in Ohio, and I just really liked um, the university. It was small. It felt like home there. So um, I was offered the position, and I took it, and uh, that, was, that was how it started. But that's where everything also went crazy, did it not? Yes, because yes. Oh, it did. in that first year, you went from graduating college, becoming a mm-hmm. GA, to becoming mm-hmm. a head coach in a matter of what, maybe six months? Yes, even less than that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, I mean, we won't get into all the details, but mm-hmm. that certainly wasn't the plan. I'm fascinated, <laughs> though, is how in the world it happened. Um, I mean, the plan was to sit behind a coach and to, I mean, get my master's and just learn kind of how to be a coach. And um, four days before our first game, our head coach was let go, (laughs) and um, they named me head coach for the season. So, To be blunt, was there anybody else on the staff? No, it was just me and him at the time. Okay. So, All right. So yeah. I, they obviously had no no other options, and I don't mean that negatively. Right. I just mean right. this is why you go from <laughs> first-year GA of your life to head coach of a Division II program. What was 
What was the reaction within the team to you? Um, they reacted really positively. Um, they really bought in. I mean, they knew that from the start, from when I got there in July, um, they knew that I was super dedicated to them. So me becoming the head coach at the time, it was kind of a seamless transition. Um, they really bought in and, uh, we had a really, really good year. So we should point out without going again into everything, because we don't need to go into everything, but you were also running practices to a larger degree while there. So for them, I'm guessing that transition wasn't too difficult. No, not at all. I mean, I don't want to say I was acting like the head coach, but, um, I did have a ton of responsibilities, um, of running practices and running community service and doing kind of everything that a head coach does. So um, it, it was, I mean, it was an, an easy transition for the kids. I am curious though. How many phone calls did you make when you realized you were becoming head coach four days before the very first game of the season? How many calls out to others are you making going, Oh, oh what am I in here? I made quite a few. And um, I, I remember the one so vividly it was to, uh, Coach Jada Pierce, she's now the head coach at Niagara, but she was one of my assistant coaches at Marist, and she's she's my mentor. And I called her hysterically crying because I was like, now what? Now what do I do? I don't know what I'm doing. And she calmed me down, and she kind of talked me through it, and she said, this is what you wanted. This is what you were made to do, um, and now you're, given that, you're being given this opportunity, so take advantage of it. And, I mean, she helped me so much um, through that season, but through every single season that – um, I've been through, so it's been, she's been really, really detrimental in my, um, coaching career. I think I looked this up. Was your first opponent slippery rock? Yes, it was. So you were at least at home. Yes, we were home though. I'm fascinated. What did the other coaching staff say to you in pregame? Um, she said that I was very young and, (laughs) um, she was kind of asking the whole situation of how it happened. And that was, I mean, everybody's reaction was. Um, how did this happen? And there were some funny things that people have said along the way. I mean, we were playing um, one of our conference uh, opponents when I was at Urbana, and he said, he looked at me right before the game, and he said, you know, I'm twice your age. And I was like, Thanks. I was like, okay. And he said, and this is your first game against us. And it was just such a weird interaction, but some of the little things that I'll never forget. <laughs> You went 18 and 10 that season. I mean, pretty solid season. I dare ask, why was that the only season? Um, so it was, um, a great situation. I really loved Urbana. It was, um, obviously the start of my coaching career, but I started looking back home in New Jersey and I came across Caldwell University Mm. and um, it just seemed to be a better fit because I would also be the associate athletic director, the senior women's administrator. It was only 45 minutes from where I grew up. So um, I really wanted to get back to New Jersey. You did a lot at at Caldwell, also helping with uh, (laughs) Make-A-Wish programs. I think you may have done more than coach. Uh, What was the... Can you take from that Urbana first season? I mean, you got thrown in the fire. You you didn't get the, the normal tutelage or mentorship as you would normally get going through it. Uh, internship, for lack of a better description, your internship mm-hmm. was a full-time job in Division Two that ended up 18 right. and 10 in the conference tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it about that season that you still hang on to that helps you with coaching now? I mean, it was just... 
I, like you said, I got thrown into the fire, um, but I learned so much and I learned it firsthand because I didn't have an assistant coach. Um, I, I mean, I didn't have anybody to bounce ideas off of, and it was just, it was so nice to see that my team really bought into what I was doing. And I mean, it was, everything was just on the fly because I had never done anything like that before. Um, so I had so much support from our athletic department and I mean, from our institution, um, overall. And I just, I owe them so much because it was a really good place. Um, I've been, I was back there two years ago and just got to see the changes of, um, the university. And it's just, it, it brings back really, really good memories. When you look back at that, how much did the coaching community also come to your side? Uh, I know you had the, the, the occasional occasions uh, ahead of games where it was a little bit awkward, but how much you talked about reaching out to your former assistant, but how much did the rest of the community come to your aid? Oh my gosh. The outreach was just amazing. I mean, um, just the coaching friends that I had, I mean, people that recruited me in um, college, it was just so many people reached out and even people that I didn't know, it just came to me. Um, and then when I went to the convention that year, I mean, so many people came up to me and it was just a really, really, I mean, the coaching community is so great. Um, they offer so much support. So um, it was really great to see. So you moved on to Caldwell, and then you apparently got sick of New Jersey because um, you ended <laughs> up in, in San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, just tell me the transition of what you were looking for while looking for those coaching jobs that took you to different parts of the country. Right. Um, I mean, we were super successful at Caldwell, and uh, the West Coast came calling, and I thought it would be a great opportunity um, I was never in California before I took the job, so that was really interesting to me. But Welcome to California. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought it was going to be a great opportunity, which it was. I learned a lot about um, coaching that year and about myself, and um, it was, I mean, it was. A, I got to live in California. I got to live <laughs> in San Francisco for a year, so that was um, really, really cool. So what brought you to Keystone? What brought you to Division Three? might be the better question. Um, so in California, um, it just wasn't a great fit at SF state and I really wanted to get back to the East coast. So, um, I started looking for jobs and I wanted to explore division three because a lot of my coaching friends had, um, told me that, I mean, try division three. I think you would really like it. So I started applying to different division three jobs. And when I got onto the campus of Keystone for my interview, I just knew that was going to be my home. Um, I just loved the support from the campus. I love the campus itself. I knew that um, the program there was something that I could build. So it really intrigued me. Um, and it just, it felt comfortable. It felt like home. What was it about Division Three that your, your colleagues and your friends thought would be the right fit for you? <sighs> That's a good question. I mean, now being in it for a year and a half, um, I just, I love the balance of it. I love the student-athletes. Um, I think they're extremely skilled. Um, obviously, there's a lot of differences between Division Two and Division Three, but sure. um, skill-wise, I mean, I I think you can recruit a lot of the same players. I mean, on my current roster, I have three Division Two transfers, so mm. um, I think it's a high level of basketball. And I mean, the kids want to compete um, day in and day out, and they they value their uh, their education, which. Um, is really big to me, so I think it's it's a really good fit. When you look back as a Division One student athlete, are there aspects mm -hmm. of Division One you wish Division Three would adopt, and 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 in the reverse, are there aspects of Division Three that you wish Division One would have? 
I mean, the only thing that I think I would love to see in Division Three is just more time with the kids um, in the preseason and the postseason. I mean, that's my, my only thing that I wish there was more time, even if it was four hours a week, um, because it's really hard to start October 15th and um, you're going from zero hours to 20 hours a week. So that's a lot on the kids. It's a really, I think it's a difficult transition. Um, but I think that's the only thing that I wish um, was a little different at Division Three. But, I mean, we, we adjust to it. We make it work. Um, yeah. I hear the stories in Division One that, that, you know, it's, it's a job, and I'm being very generic right. there. Again, you know, I, I quote, you know, the football comment I heard at the end of the championship. We started this championship drive on January 19th last year. Wait, what? Right. Um, that's just not something you would hear in Division Three. Are there aspects of that D3 that world that maybe D1 needs to consider? Is it too much of a job in D1? I mean, it's, it's crazy because I lived it. Um, right. I, I obviously played it, and I loved every single second that I was – at the division one level. So, I mean, it was a lot though. I, you don't get a summer, you don't get, um, I mean, preseason, postseason, it's, it's a ton of hours. It's a huge commitment, but, um, at the end of the day, like how I looked at it was, these are my last four years of playing basketball. Mm. So I wanted it as much as I could. Um, I fully submerged myself into it. So I thought that was, um, it's just, I mean, it's, it's some kids don't want that all the time some kids do so i think uh just the balance and finding the balance of it is 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 good back to the coaching side what it what has this experience been from being thrown straight into the fire at urbana and having a successful season for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better description and then having multiple other opportunities around the country and now to be at keystone what seven years of experience but and you haven't even turned mm-hmm. 30 yet what what has this life experience been Oh, it's been amazing. And I mean, it just, it, it validates that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I love it. And, um, I've had such great experiences at every single place that I've been, um, the good, the bad, I've taken it with me. And, um, I, I just, I, I can't get enough of it. I suspect coaches who get jobs later in life after having lots of assistant coaching experiences, they may have changed a little bit, but once they become a coach, they kind of have their ways of doing things. How much have you changed, though, as a coach since you started at Urbana? I mean, I think every year it just depends on the kids that you have. Um, I think you have to adapt to them because the generations are changing. And each year, I mean, brings different kids and different personalities. And um, I've learned that I can't be the same coach that I was maybe at Caldwell that I am at Keystone. Um, I think I've calmed down a little bit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's for sure. But um, I think there's just I think you have to get that bond with your your kids and um, that kind of maybe molds you into how you can act around them and how you can coach them. Because some kids I mean, some kids want to be screamed at. I had a kid at Caldwell, my point guard. She wanted me to get in her face and yell at her. Hmm. And I have kids now that I mean, I I can't raise my voice or they might cry. So Mm -hmm. it's just learning each kid's personality and how they respond and what they respond best to. Sure. Uh, Keystone's not a program that tends to get a lot of attention. There was an 18 and nine season in 2012, 2013. Otherwise Mm -hmm. it's a a program that hovers at or below 500, but last Mm -hmm. year, 16 and 11, uh, Mm -hmm. this year you're 11 and five coming off of a big victory against St. Elizabeth on the road last night. This, you've made your mark here, have have you not? I I mean, we're trying. We are trying to just um, 
worry about ourselves every single day and do what we can do and control what we can control and um, hopefully move towards a conference championship at the end of this year. What's the what's what a, what do you bring to the table to these student athletes that that you've learned along the way, whether it's a D one athlete yourself or having coached in D two, that you're maybe bringing to the table that not everybody else can in Division three. I mean, I think my playing experience um, is huge. I think um, our players really respect that, and um, knowing that I I did play at a very high level, I think they really respect that. Um, and coaching at a higher level, I mean, I. I like I said I have three Division two transfers so they've already played a year at Division two so mm-hmm. they have kind of that Division two mindset and now it's at Division three um, but I also think I have a great bond with my players I'm I I mean I'm getting older but um, I'm not that <laughs> far removed from no. from where they they are so um, I think that definitely helped. Uh, Poughkeepsie isn't that far away are we gonna Correct. are we gonna get a a preseason or or early season scrimmage type game with you guys in Maris sometime? I am trying. Coach Georges, <laughs> I'm calling you out. I would love to. Absolutely love to. Even if it doesn't count for you and counts for them, it doesn't matter, right? You just, <laughs> exactly. Let's go. I would love to be back in Poughkeepsie. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah. so how the team's going this year? Again, 11-5 and five, uh, on, a, mm-hmm. on a bit of a tear here. Uh, you, your mm-hmm. four losses came really in, in December. You'd love to mm-hmm. maybe forget that month. Uh, York, yeah. Merchant Marine, Gwen and Mercy, and Kings. But since then, you've won six in a row. Um, you've got the conference, obviously, slate still ahead of you. There's still a lot of games to be played, but mm-hmm. you guys are are doing well. How's it go- going for your point of view? Um, I think it's going really well. I mean, after last night's win, we've gotten through everybody in the conference, and we're um, at least once, and we're 9-0 and in conference so far. So um, we're doing well, and, I mean, we just – we keep saying every single day we need to worry about ourselves and we need to control what we can control. Um, we want to host the uh, playoffs and hopefully the championship. So um, the number one spot is obviously what we want. Um, and I think we're, we're playing really, really well right now. now. Obviously nine games to play. Five of them will be at home. So certainly a balanced schedule ahead, but you got some, <laughs> some tough travels. How do you keep everybody at this point in the season when where we're fully in the grind as it were, how do you keep everybody focused? Um, I mean, I think having a smaller roster definitely helps that. I only have 10 kids, and um, they all pretty much get playing time. So I think that helps. And, I mean, they they know that um, we want to be on our home court on February 29th, hopefully cutting down the nets at about uh, 3 o'clock. So we, we remind ourselves of that every single day. They work really, really hard, um, and they're they're a great group. They're a really fun group to coach. Of course, you're now at the turn, too. Now everybody you've seen once, you're undefeated. Right. The target's pretty big on your back. Two-game lead, but that can disappear quickly. Yes, it can. And, I mean, we have a tough tough slate coming up. Um, we have a few of uh, the top teams mm-hmm. that we have to play again. So, um, I mean, we've seen everybody, and um, I've just told our kids not to get cocky about things um, because everybody's coming for us. We were preseason number one, and now, obviously, being undefeated in um, – the conference so far, everybody's coming um, hard for us. Yeah, there's no surprises left, as it were. Everybody exactly. knows everybody. Exactly. Right, exactly. Well, Coach, appreciate the, the chat and appreciate the insight. Fascinating um, travels, as it were, through the coaching ranks from literally trying to learn the game to being in charge of a program in the span of three months. Um, that's shocking just in the thought of it. I can't imagine experiencing it, but obviously – it has made you who you are, and, and you're succeeding with it. Congratulations on that, and I thank you for taking part 
we have a uh, tradition on the show. We always leave the, the final comment for the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Ooh, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, please catch a game. It's GoKCGiants.com. Thank you. Well, that's well done. Yes, absolutely. Go on and watch the team. I appreciate it. Take care. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll keep an eye on the Giants and, and look forward to chatting with you sometime down the road. Thank you. Absolutely. She is Christina Danella joining us here on the uh, Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline as part of the WBCA Center Court segment. Fascinating, even in this day and age, to be thrown into the fire like that. Clearly successful with that. Certainly the the support of the coaching ranks there to keep her buoyed up and to keep that experience from being a negative one. I think that's the key. You, I don't think there's any coach out there who would want to see a team fail in that situation or see a fellow coach fail in that situation. And that's what these groups like the WBCA and the NABC are for more than anything is to help each other. And we can get into why sometimes I think the uh, hiding of video sometimes is funny because these organizations and these coaches talk to each other all the time. But thanks to Coach Danella for joining us and talking about that experience. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll keep the women's basketball theme going. We'll jump all the way out to the West Coast, talk to Pacific, who is the surprise leaders of the Northwest Conference, or are they the surprise leaders? They have a say in whether that is a surprise or not. We'll talk to their head coach about how they're doing and succeeding, and still plenty more Hoopsville ahead. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this. College has given me the flexibility to pursue my passions and my interests, and I've recreated my identity for myself aside from just being an athlete. My greatest personal discovery has been that I am capable of doing things that I didn't know I was capable of doing. To be able to study what I wanted to and continue to play the sport I love, all of those things came together very nicely in one package in Division Three. Cheer for the stumbles. The Heat should have had bats. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. 
It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday edition. We're remaining in our pre-taped segment of the show. Sometimes it's just easier to do it this way for everybody involved. If you got questions for us, don't forget Twitter, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You're going to have to email me personally, not use the Hoopsville account, which is continuing to act up. Dave.McHugh at D3Sports.com. That's how you can email us questions or comments or thoughts. You're welcome to do so. Of course, you can interact with me or the fans who are online. Um, we're simulcasting the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, simulcasting on YouTube at youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville, but we certainly hope you're enjoying the experience on our Blue Frame technology streaming platform, including on your big screen, possibly through Amazon, Roku, Apple, or Android options. All right, so staying with the women's theme, we're jumping out to the West Coast, to the Northwest Conference, and I think we've gotten a little bit spoiled of understanding who the top teams in this conference were. were. Whitworth and Whitman have certainly been at the top, but George Fox women have been one of the uh, bellwethers of this conference for a long time. Of course, saw them out in Las Vegas, thought they were a very good team. Well, guess who's not leading the conference? It is not George Fox. It is not Whitworth, and it's not Whitman, it's not Linfield, it's not Willamette, it's not Puget Sound either, who's been pretty good of late. It's Pacific, who has gotten through the last four games against George Fox, Puget Sound, Whitman, and Whitworth with victories and looking pretty good along the way. They are undefeated in conference, and it's got us curious. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of Pacific. It is Alicia Parker. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time, and congratulations on one heck of a season so far. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, let's just get it out of the way. Eight and seventeen last year in your first year. Two and fourteen in conference. You're now twelve and three, six and zero. Oh. Even and I don't mean this badly, but even if things were to fall apart right now, you're having an outstanding season. This is terrific. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people that that was not their their preseason uh, guesses or anything like that, but. Um, you know, the pieces have definitely been placed together and we've been, we're off to a, a great start. We still have 10 games left, so we're not going to get too far ahead or put oh, the cart yeah, too far sure. ahead of the horse, as it mm-hmm. were. And we still have conference play, but to be six and zero and to get through, well, really we could date it back to the first six games because you had Linfield and then Lewis and Clark, 
George Fox, Puget Sound, Whitman, Whitworth, those six. Mm-hmm. In the last few years, any one of those six, including George Fox, has been a tough out, as it were. Um, and so to get through all six in victories, some close, not some not so close, you, you guys have definitely risen to the occasion, as it were, and the team's got to be pretty excited with, with how it's gone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the biggest thing we're trying to focus on this year is just each weekend, each game. Um, it's like you said, um, our conference in general has been so competitive. And the last couple years specifically, um, more and more teams have just stepped up where every single night, you know, I mean, Willamette, they got George Fox one time already this year. Um, you know, you just you can't go into any game thinking, you know, hey, they're at the bottom half. You know, this game's going to be any easier than the next game. So, um, as far as, you know, the overall season, our culture, you know, it's going really well. We're really excited, but um, we're also just taking it weekend by weekend and game by game and, you know, um, going into every game, you know, doing our preparation the week before in the sense that, you know, we, we, we think and we know and we're confident um, that we should battle every single team in the league. So, um, of course, this uh, start has definitely helped that and um, got our confidence there. But, um, yeah, I just, I mean, each night, too, we've had, you know, we, we have a pretty small roster. We've already had some, some injuries this season. And, you know, like this last weekend, we didn't play with our starting point guard. And, you know, we, we beat the wits. So um, I think just in general that, that, that team culture of who's going to step up tonight and who's going to fill those shoes has been huge. Um, and, yeah, just weekend by weekend and not getting our head ahead of ourselves. So, um, yeah, just focus on short-term goals versus long-term goals. Well, the list of of how that locker room has probably gained confidence is long because not only did you beat George Fox, but we you beat all the other six that you talked about. Not only have they mm-hmm. uh, overcome an injury to their starting point guard to get a couple of victories, proving somebody else can can step up, but they've also shown that if you listen to what the coaches are, are preaching or or trying to accomplish, you can make big uh, results out of that. There's a lot of reasons that this run can build confidence, not only for this season, but moving forward. You're in your second year, and again, I think we saw signs last year that the team was turning in a different direction, but this is a significant step forward. What what do we attribute that step forward with? Is it, is it all based on confidence, or is there something else that's that's clicking? Um, you know, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, we came in knowing that we had to – um, instill a, just a championship culture. And, you know, um, I think that was something that we definitely worked to change last year because it was not uh, in the women's basketball program. That was not, not there. Um, and, you know, we, we only had, as far as kids that played last year, we had, you know, three returners and the rest, you know, a couple, um, couple other kids that, that, that were playing for us last year but um, didn't get any minutes. And then we have a, a fresh new, new set of freshmen that came in. So, um, you know, I think our, our juniors and, and seniors have really helped us set the tone to know what the work ethic it takes to be successful in this league. But um, I think, you know, obviously it's the, the recruiting portion of it and just getting kids to buy into that. And, you know, obviously we want to we wanna do something special here and we want to create a championship culture. And that, that takes a lot of work and that takes um, a ton of buy-in. And, you know, this year it's just been um, consistent of kids getting reps in the gym, you know, putting in the work, doing all the little stuff. Um, so I think, you know, and that's a big thing that we, I preach specifically as well is, you know, is like, get it, you know, get your work in Monday through Friday. So that by Friday comes, we're ready to go. And I think that's what's building that confidence. So 
um, you know, even preseason, that's what it's for. But, you know, we did not look like what we look like right now. And the pieces are, are starting to click together. You know, the, those wins are, are instilling some confidence. But, you know, it's, it's honestly coming from a lot of our, our leadership and them, you know, our, our juniors setting the tone just as much as, as we set the tone each week. So, um, so yeah, I think, too, like just, you know, the dream and the culture and all those things um, play together of figuring out our why. And I think this group in particularly has, has a really good why and is a very family culture. Um, and it's, you know, it's showing on the floor week by week, you know, just looking better and better as far as uh, clicking chemistry out there. So uh, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. Um, oh, by the way, you hinted at it there. Your juniors leading the way. You've got two seniors on this team. Statistically, on the stat sheet at least, they are not ones that, that jump out. No disrespect to Jones or Hinckley. But it is this junior class and even sophomores and freshmen that are rising to the occasion. Oh, bad news, Northwest Conference. Um, <laughs> this, group's, this group's coming back pretty intact in the future, too. What, but what is it about this, this group, this class, the juniors you point out, that, that they almost seem ahead of where you would expect many? Yeah, I mean, um, so we have we have so we have three seniors. Um, one hasn't played this year, and ah. then you know, two two like you said, um, are both you know they've they've averaged anywhere from ten to twenty minutes per game. So um, the two, especially on the the stat sheet, that are gonna uh, stand out are Courtney and Cammy, both both juniors. So um, you know, as far as I don't know if you watched uh, Courtney yet play, but um, just a just a, an overall great athlete, uh, one of the best at Division Three. Um, you know, like I said, puts the work in. You know, shooting really well from the three. She's mm-hmm. she's super athletic, so she's she's hard to guard. Um, and then Cami uh, is a, a transfer um, within the league, so um, perfect timing for us as far as just needing someone to come in and help with that leadership role. You know, um, I think we put a lot on Courtney's back, just in the sense of. You know, getting people overall culture. If it's you know doing stuff, um, she organizes. You know, you know D three. It's all outside of outside of season is on them. So, oh yeah. Um, just as far as our timing, like we really needed someone to come in and help uh, build that culture. And um, you know, I mean, Cammy's Cammy's one of the best point guards I think in the league, um, and she she does a great job as well. But between the two of them, you know, it's just one. It's helping our younger kids grow so much. Um, and our younger kids, like, you know, you pointed out, but we have some, some freshmen that can, can really play. Um, so, but to have Courtney and Cammie in front of them and to challenge them every day and to make them better, um, and just to lead by example of, you know, getting extra reps in the gym, um, doing all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a fun time to, to be a Pacific boxer. And I think there's a, a bright future ahead. And I think those two are definitely part of a big portion of leading the way of how we're getting there. Yeah. Again, heads up a uh, conference. We got them to deal with next year. Um, there's been a lot of coaching turnover in this conference in the last few years. Um, I think we've gotten used to George Fox losing their coaches to D one. Um, but in within the realms of coaching changes, it's all come also within the conference. You all know each other really well you're you were a former assistant at Whitworth other coaches have been former assistants at either at the schools or at or other locations that breeds a lot of knowledge and certainly a lot of of knowing each other pretty well so I in in some ways it's hard to break through and to be uh, kind of above everybody else to some degree as well right 
Yeah, I mean, it is interesting in that sense because, um, yeah, I mean, we've had in the last five years, you know, both uh, Mike Meeks went Division One, mm-hmm. and then what, as well as Lori Payne also went to Division One schools, mm-hmm. which, you know, is awesome for our conference. Um, and then we've had uh, three, two assistants in league and then one join. Um, so as much as we, I think, you know, you, 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 we all know the conference in that sense, but I also think like, you know, we're, we're all doing different things than to some extent that, um, the, the head coaches we worked under are doing, yeah. um, you know, even the system that, um, the new, the new George Fox guy, you know, he's a East coast guy and he right. came in and he's, he's running such a different system, um, than Mike did. So, um, even, you know, this will be my sixth year in the, my sixth season in this league. And, you know, it's, it's been a, there's been a lot of change. So, you know, as far as even when we first got here, it was the top half versus the bottom half. And, um, that has really changed in the last couple of years, um, from who's on that top half to who's on that bottom half. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's a very competitive conference. Um, it's a very fun conference as well, just cause we, we all do know each other. You know, we of course recruit similar kids, high academics, you right. know, similar areas and things. Um, but it also is, you know, it, it will be interesting in these next, next couple of years, just, you know, where the cards fall and if that continues to stay where it's anyone's game or if a new top half and bottom half um, are created, it's just, it's too early to say, you know, obviously we, we are confident in what we're, we're building and, um, but we know everyone else is working hard too. So it's just, um, we, you know, I have a ton of confidence just overall in, in the Northwest Conference. Um, I've just seen seen the level of athletes that that come through our conference, and you know, I mean, it's like you said, George Fox was just in, um, just played Scranton down there. Mm-hmm. You know, Whitman's done done well traditionally. Uh, UPS had some some big D three wins throughout their preseason. So, um, you know, I hope we. I just you know, I really respect our league, and um, you know, so I know I know you can't take anyone lightly, and I just think hopefully we continue to keep that level of play up, and if not, just continue to improve it. Uh, Michael Capolino will learn don't, that he can't bring in outside ideas. Don't worry. I'm pretty sure he'll get on track eventually. Uh-oh. That's in case he's listening. Um, uh-huh. Speaking of Capolino, though, you mentioned George Fox and, and Scranton. I saw them in Vegas. And when George Fox came out of there with a victory over Scranton and, and absolutely, you know, put your foot in it or put your foot down on it, uh, win over UNE, my thinking was, yeah, they're, they're a top five program. And I realize the conference is tough, but I'm even surprised if they're three and three. What was it about your strategy going in that works so well and how you guys came out with at least the victory in the first go round? Yeah, I mean, I think our kids really executed our defensive game plan. Um, you know, George Fox, they, they have height on us. They have a, a bigger inside presence in the, you know, their post game. And I just think we executed really well. So, um, you know, and we, we started out scary. The first quarter was uh, four to nine. Um, so it was getting a little scary there for a second, but luckily <laughs> they only scored nine points as well. Um, but, you know, I think it's just, yeah, it's just a different, you know, the, the George Fox team, they, they, they're running a different style this year. And I mean, we're, we kind of run an opposite style that we, we like to get up and, you know, go fast pace, um, you know, similar to more Mike Meeks's old style in that scenario. Okay. Um, but, you know, I mean, um, but yeah, in that sense, I think they're a great team, but I think it just came down to, you know, we, we executed and we made some big shots when it mattered. And, um, you know, I mean, that was a, that was a nice game for us because, you know, we kind of were able to, to pull it out from, 
you know, our normal two to three eight point games to, you know, over to our 10 point game there. And that was just executing at the end and getting stuff done. So, um, yeah, I just think we, like I said, I think it came, you know, as far as I think they're an awesome program. I think, you know, they the offensive boards wise, like they challenged us more than more than any any team has. And I think that was a big, big learning lesson for us. Um, but, yeah, I just think that our kids did a really good job as far as, you know, defending their post play because they, they'll post up every single one, you know, one through five. We'll, yep. we'll get in there. And our kids did a really good job with that. And, um, you know, they they made some threes, but also, you know, our kids executed that where, you know, they have some really, really good shooters. They were going into that game. Um, I think two or three of his kids were shooting like 50, 60 percent from three. Uh, Kaylee Bishop was one of the freshmen. And, you know, I think I can't remember specifically what we held her to. But, you know, our goal is not, hey, she's not making three tonight. But, hey, every single time she shoots, you know, you need to have a hand up. And I think our, our especially our younger kids, too, um, they they fulfilled that and they did their job. And I think that was a big portion of, of how we got that done. Uh, you held them to 47 points. Uh, that's insane. They hadn't been held that low since, okay, four days prior. Willamette had them at 45. <laughs> uh, but those two games alone, the, George Fox hadn't been, you know, hadn't scored that few points in years. So s- clearly something defensively was working as well for you guys. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I just think that we executed and um, we, you know, every year, at, you know, every different team you have, it just depends on how, how detailed your scout is. Cause sometimes that just goes, you know, even over the, the best basketball kids that just goes way over their head. Um, and I, I think defensively they, they broke down and um, we did a, just a good job, you know, knowing what they were going to come in with and what they were going to try to, what their biggest strengths were. And um, for, you know, they're, they're a couple inches on us. I just think our kids did a good job getting that done. So, um, so yeah, I was proud of them. And I mean, and defensively in general, I think for, you know, something we just preach and, you know, it's just an attitude and an effort and we like to get out and, you know, pressure the ball. Um, and I think our kids did a really good job at that, especially during that game. So well, moving forward, you get the unique scheduling um, that you, you Portland general area folk, uh, schools get to enjoy mm-hmm. where you'll be home against Willamette on the road against Pacific Youth Lutheran this weekend and then home against Lewis and Clark next weekend and home again or on the road against Linfield so you don't have the long two-game bus trips to some degree I assume this is a this is a stretch you you want to take advantage of yeah I mean the for our conference and these Portland extended areas you know you're your hardest turnaround to some extent could be because um, you play at home Friday night and then you have to drive the, the right. three hours the next morning. Um, but which, you know, same thing. It's, it's all a mindset thing. And that's what we try to preach to our kids where, you know, Hey, everyone else does it as well. Um, the, the port or the Tacoma schools they have to come down, they do a similar. Um, so, you know, I think they're going to be tough and, you know, I think everyone is going to want to want to get that six and O gone and be the first team to do it. So, um, these two games, of, you know, we were confident that they're winnable, but also, you know, the thing we've been preaching to our kids all week is you just can't take anyone lightly and we, we got to show up and play to our full ability, um, you know, and it, it can't be not, not one of the, the games can be looked at differently. So, um, so yeah, we did have some of those, you know, um, games at home, those, those bigger games we still have to play. Uh, we'll have to play Fox on the road. We'll have to play Linfield on the road and Whitman on the road. So right. definitely will be, you know, outstanding challenges for us. But, you know, being able to get our home games in and, you know, using that to our advantage is also going to be be vital in this next, you know, two games plus the second half of conference. Yeah. So, 
You've at least yeah. taken care of home court where you've needed to take care of home court. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, I mean, everyone should have that advantage to some part. And sometimes you still go to someone else's gym and you know exceed those limits. But you know, you do get a we get a shoot on the, these hoops every single single right. day, and yeah. we need to have that to our advantage. So. Yeah, for uh, January is kind of a, a weird little time, too, because right. we don't have as many students, you know, uh, as everyone in the country. So, yep. um, but yeah, we've been getting some good crowds and that, that brings energy and excitement as well for our kids. Uh, for the next 10, the last 10 are, are at home. So you're going to have a little bit of road weariness ahead. But um, as you pointed out, it's those it's the wit trip and it's the other trips in there. Um, mm-hmm. that, will, that will grind on you guys a little bit. But c- certainly to be up 6-0 and in the conference, uh, to have a half-game lead on Whitman and to have a solid two-game lead on Linfield and Willamette and three on George Fox, again, it feels like you're playing with house money to some degree. Yeah, I just say, like, you know, I told our, I tell our girls every day, I just, you know, I just think we have to take it weekend by weekend. And, you know, we talk about not taking that for granted and just knowing how, how quick you can lose something like that. So, um, you know, I think, and one thing we preach a lot about too, is just talking about, you know, you controlling your destiny versus other teams controlling your destiny. So, you know, as much as we, we have that, you know, point lead or half lead going in, um, you know, we want to control where, where we're, if we're playing at the end of the season, when we're playing and, and where. So, um, you know, I think we just need to focus week to week on what we can do versus less on what other people are doing. Um, you know, and of course that's not, that's so much harder you know, easier said than done. Um, but you know, that's what we preach to them. Just let's control our destiny. And you know, that, that takes place, you know, a big thing is getting that done this weekend. So sure. you know, we can't anyone that, you know, loses to loses to those teams on that are, you know, four through nine or whatever in that scenario. Um, yeah, we just got to make sure to get our business done and right. not be dependent upon someone else. Well, Coach, appreciate the time and the insight on the boxers. Uh, congratulations um, on what you're accomplishing out there in Forest Grove. Certainly impressive to see. And, and, and what is a conference I think is underrated in its, in its quality and in its competitiveness. We certainly know Northwest Conference teams can come out in mass in the NCAA tournament, um, but I don't think it fully appreciate that it's as competitive as it is. So I appreciate the insight. As always, we give the coach the final word on the show. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, no, I just appreciate you guys, you know, appreciate you having me and appreciate you spending time to talk about the Northwest Conference. Um, so, yeah, that's about it. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Works for me. Thanks for the time as well. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Okay. Have a good one. Absolutely. She's Alicia Parker joining us from Pacific. The women's team, again, 12-3 and overall, 6-0 and in conference. They've got Willamette coming up here on the 24th. Then on the road against Pacific Lutheran on the 25th. Then the 31st, they're home against Lewis and Clark. And then on the road against Linfield. They still, as she pointed out, George Fox, Whitworth, Whitman. They basically have the entire second half of the schedule still to go. And they'll play most of those games on the road. But really good at the at this turn in the season to be where they are. And we congratulate them. Should be a great race. And remember, a little, little sidebar. I'm not sure if three teams can come out of the Northwest Conference yet or not. I think it's way too early to be trying to predict that. But remember, there's that trial now in Division Three where conference opponents can't face off in the first round. We've unfortunately had to have that happen with the Northwest Conference in the past due to geographics. That rule for a couple of years now is in place, and maybe the Northwest Conference can take advantage of it. But still, a lot to play for and don't want to get too far ahead of things. But fascinating insight on the boxers. 
We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll come back live, in fact, and uh, start taking your questions and, and kind of put a bow on the show as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. Back with more after this. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and 
to do well, but it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that, and it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome back to Hoopsville. Forgot to unmute the mic. Welcome back, and we're now live again, if you're watching us live. Thanks for tuning back into the show. If you got any questions for us as we wrap up this broadcast on this Thursday evening, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville, or I'm sorry, email us, dave.mcqueue at d3sports.com. You can also, we're on the simulcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. Been a little bit quiet there during those tape segments, but um, we do have one question pending at least that we will get to from Peyton. Actually, it's two questions. Uh, and we'll quickly recap again the top 25 um, results from this week. I'm also just going to double check. We didn't have any major scores going on tonight, something I hadn't checked earlier. So recapping, um, yeah, on the men's side, actually, I'll start with this. On the men's side, some Texas games primarily, nothing major there on the women's side. Also, so there's a couple of New England games in there, mainly Texas games, and nothing's jumping out at me. Um, nothing really jumping out at me as earth-shattering. So we'll get to the recap news in a moment. I'll answer the question Peyton asked us. He goes, uh, would love to hear your thoughts on Union and Chris Murphy's team and emerging program. And who do you think... Uh, emerges from the UAA from Emory and Washington. Well, let's start with Union. I don't know if they're emerging. Um, they were 19 and 9 two seasons ago, let's remember. Um, was it the last couple of seasons or in the last couple of years? They've had some dramatic runs to the NCAA tournament. So I don't think we can chalk it up as an emerging program. Yes, 10 and 14 last year, I realize. But la what, two years ago, made the NCAA tournament. Uh, beat New Jersey City in the first round, then lost to Plattsburgh State. Uh, didn't they make, I think they made the tournament the year before that when they were 17 and 11, if memory serves. Um, yeah, and, and lost to Rochester. Oh, no, beat Wesleyan. Oh, I forgot about that. Beat Wesleyan and then beat uh, lost to Rochester um, unceremoniously in the second round. So I don't think we can say that Union is emerging anymore. They're here. We know about them. Um, unfortunately, the Liberty League doesn't look all that competitive. Uh, now, RPI is out to a tremendous start. They're 13-2, and 8-0 in the year. There are two losses coming at the beginning of the season against Rutgers, Newark, and Westfield State, and they are undefeated since. But they also haven't played anybody, and that's RPI's problem. SUNY Cobbleskill, Mount St. Mary, Sage, St. Lawrence, Clarkson. I know some of these are conference games barred. SUNY Delhi, well, that should be a regional game. Got to fix that in our system. Anna Maria, and then back into conference play. So RPI's played nobody. So we can't gauge how good 13 and 2 really is. In the rest of the conference, Ithaca is 10 and 3, 6 and 1 in conference. Hobart's 12 and 3 after a tremendous start. 6 and 2. Hobart is not living up to what I think some people had for expectations, losing two of their last three to Union and RPI and getting a win to Vassar in the middle. So, I listen, I don't think the Liberty League's all that. Uh, RIT is 5-9. and nine. Uh, St. Lawrence is 4-9. and nine. Vassar is 6-9. and nine. Skidmore's 5-10. and ten. 
I'm not sure. I, I didn't realize that Joe Burke's team was losing as much as it had talent-wise from that unit. Remember last year they had an all-region selection? Their wins are to Plattsburgh State, Rochester, and Vassar, along with Clarkson and then Vassar a second time. So, okay, great. Chris Murphy's team's 9-4, and four, and they're 6-2, and two, and they won four in a row. Their four losses came in a five-game stretch, and they beat Williams. But they played Hartwick St. John Fisher out of conference. They also played two games in the opening month, which makes no sense to me. Um, they beat Ly- or they lost to Light coming down in Daytona. They lost to Mount Union by 13 down in Daytona. They lost to RPI. So, you know, hats off to Union. Good team, but I, I'm 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 not all that into it, Peyton. I'm not buying in. I'm not buying into anybody in the Liberty League right now, to be blunt. And Chris Murphy's team's been good. We know it, but you know, they're one win shy of last year, but they're ten wins shy of two years ago. So can they get to those ten wins? We'll see. They've got what, two, four, six, eight, eleven games left plus conference play. We'll see. We'll see. RPI's got a gaudy record built on nothing. Um, we'll see what this all means in the end, but I just I got nothing. As for Emory Washi, we talked about it on Sunday's show. If you want to go back and listen to the um, segment where we had uh, Bob Quillman and Ryan Scott on late in the show, we talked mainly conferences, but we talked Washu and Emory. Uh, I moved, if memory serves, hold on. My top 25 is sitting down here, right? Is this top 25 from this week? No, it's not, actually. That's the wrong one. Uh, I don't have my top 25 in front of me. I apologize. But oh, that's interesting. I wonder where I put it. Um, I I moved WashU ahead of Emory, but back-to-back, basically calling them equal, because WashU's playing a little bit better right now. Emory has had a bit of a rough spot, but I think I'm still leaning towards Emory being the better team coming out of this conference. Um, anything's possible for that matter, to be honest. Gordon Mann had an interesting take, and, and maybe it's something I might consider moving forward. He was talking on the women's side that he doesn't knock a UAA team when he's voting for the second loss of a weekend in a UAA doubleheader, especially, I, I assume, especially on the road. I, I don't remember him making a comment about a road game necessarily. I kind of dinged Emory a little bit for their loss to Brandeis. By the way, I moved Brandeis into my top 25, so I have three UAA teams in my top 25. And while I'm mentioning this, I can actually – let me see if I can call up my top 25. I have not blogged it. No one has seemed to complain this year. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Um, But the reason I haven't blogged it this year is simple, that um, I've been busy with a lot of other things. I may get to it here in a bit. We'll see. But, again, nobody's complained that they're not seeing my top 25. So, I, you know, it is what it is. Um. So I put Emory 9, I put WashU 8. And if I go back to Gordon's mentality a little bit, maybe he's got a better take on it. Um, it was the it was the loss to Brandeis coupled with their loss earlier on to Guilford and Guilford not looking nearly as strong that made me kind of pause on um, Emory a bit. I moved WashU up. I, I moved Emory down. I got him 8-9. I might change my mind. But I've got Swarthmore 1. And by the way, they had to come from behind on Wednesday to beat Ursinus. I don't know if anybody noticed that. But they didn't have the lead until about three minutes left in the game. 
Uh, I moved St. John's up to two. A little bit trepidatious about that, but they're playing well, and they've beaten St. Thomas pretty handily, so I decided to go for it. I put Randolph-Macon back up into the top five at three, Elmer's to four, Marietta to five, though that will now change, uh, um, Colby to six, St. Thomas seven, Washu eight, Emory nine, and Wittenberg fell from two to ten. Um, I then had Middlebury 11. They also fell from three. Platteville to 12. Center moved up to 13. St. Norbert moved up to 14. Nebraska Wesleyan held firm at 15. Uh, Lacrosse fell to 16. I had Lacrosse up near the top 10, I think. Virginia Wesleyan entered my poll at 17. Johns Hopkins re entered my poll at 18. Springfield moved up a little bit to 19. I put Yeshiva 20. Now, Yeshiva is back after 35 days without playing, by the way, folks. They won last night. Didn't look too rusty, but Yeshiva is back. So the voters will remember Yeshiva a bit here. I have WPI moving up to 21. North Central in at 22. Brandeis in at 23. Mount Union in at 24. And I held Albion hold at 25. Um, but back to your question, I think Emory's still the better team. But I, it's, I think it's a pick em at this point. I think both teams get into the tournament if everything were to hold steady. So, Peyton, I hope that answered your questions. Uh, I hope you stayed with it. You asked that question an hour ago or more than an hour ago, but we had to get through some interviews before I could answer it. So there you go on that. Um, by the way, Chad Hammonds tweeted out a USA article, uh, Yahoo article about uh, Augsburg game. Oh, who were they playing? Hold on a minute. Let me try and remember who they were playing uh, last night. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo, charge St. Olaf. Uh, at St. Olaf, um, looked like St. Olaf got the buzzer beater to beat Augsburg, but they waved it off saying that, uh, that it was what 0.3 on the clock. I think I'm not gonna be able to call up the article right now. And, um, they said it was not a tip in basket, that it was a control catch shoot. And that it was, you know, 0 0.3, 0 0.2 on the clock. I saw it look like a tip in for me. I know the rule is not that it has to be one handed. It can be two handed. As long as you tip it kind of like a volleyball set, it can't rest in the palm and be controlled. Look good to me. I think so. You know, if lost that one. Now, if anyone's curious, and this has come up in a couple of different places we haven't talked about on the show, but once the referees are off the floor, there is no recourse. You, we can't go back and fix a game. We can't go back and restart a game from a certain point. There is no rule in the book that allows that to happen that I'm aware of. Um, and so that's going to stick. St. Olaf's going to, that's going to stick in St. Olaf's craw a little bit. Augsburg, I'm a little nervous about. I was pretty gung-ho about them. They're 12 and four. Uh, in this side of the year, they've lost to St. John's by, by 19. And who hasn't lost to St. John's? Lost to Gustavus by four and then nearly lost to St. Olaf. Um, and Bethel gave them a game as well. They got Concordia Moorhead and then St. Thomas ahead uh, in the next week. Um, I'm a little I'm a little nervous about Augsburg. I like them, but I maybe maybe that just isn't coming together like they thought it would come together this year. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> I just saw a tweet I hadn't seen. Oh, never mind. Disregard. I thought it was to me, but it's actually I'm just included in the conversation. All right, so let's go back to the news that we broke at the top of the show, and then we'll wrap things up. First and foremost, regional realignment and um, expansion has cleared a significant hurdle, in my opinion, by getting past the commissioner's group at the NCAA convention, which is being held out in Anaheim. Things kind of started off, I think, was it last night officially? Uh, today was the first real big day of meetings, though there were meetings yesterday, too. 
there'll be more meetings tomorrow and then the business session is held on Saturday. That's where D3 and all the all the all the divisions will vote on all the major things that needed to vote on. And Division three's got 11 major bills, major um, things to vote on. Uh, two of them have to do with shortening the transition period. Some have to do with snacks and some other things. We'll keep an eye on that. We'll recap it Sunday. We'll also recap it on the marathon. But more importantly, back to my point, the commissioners met today, the commissioners of all the Division three conferences, there's 43 in total, and discussed a plan to expand and realign regions across all sports. In basketball, it would go to 10 from 8. It passed overwhelmingly. One count I was given was 40 in a favor, one against, and two abstained. By the way, abstaining is a pretty common thing. I don't understand it sometimes, but maybe it might have been the people who brought up um, the, the bill in the first place. Brad Bankston at the ODAC and Steve Ulrich at the Centennial were two of the those behind it. There were others who certainly did some legwork. Of course, Steve Ulrich has now left um, his job and no longer technically in Division Three. Um, Brad Bankston still is. So it's very likely that Brad abstained from his vote, and that would make sense. Uh, since it's he's involved in the in the fostering of it all. Anyway, my point being, the next step is the, the championships committee, which I'm told I believe will be meeting in February. Most likely, will pass there because I think it passed there initially to begin with, before it hit the management council and then was redirected back to the championships committee and then back to the group to get everybody back on board with this when it ran into a hurdle the last time out. I it, it will go through championships. Council, I'd be shocked if it doesn't, and I think it's going to get through management's council without any problems as well. Um, so as a result, I'm going to tell you now, I'd be shocked if we don't see 10 regions in men's men's and women's basketball, six regions in football, uh, whatever the breakdown is for all the sports, starting in 2021-22 is the year that will go in place. We will spend basically the next year plus, 18 months, formulating all that obviously the management council i'm told will probably be beating in april and that's when they'll take this up i don't think it has to go anywhere further by the way and it doesn't have to go to a vote um so this will they'll spend the next year and a half essentially putting together these regions they tend to keep this internal i'll freely admit that'd be a project i'd love to be involved in i would love to be involved trying to figure out how to craft regions i think you can craft one out of a secondary one in New England with using an Atlantic conference or maybe an East conference and, and doing some other maneuvers and such. Um, so that intrigues me. I would love to be involved, though. I'm not an NCA member, so I don't think it will be, but it'd be kind of cool, I think, to be involved with that. But anyway, that will take place in the next 18 months, and most likely we'll be seeing new regions in 21 and 22 academic year. The other news that I have, according to sources, let's call this an exclusive because I don't think anybody else has got this, is that the ACAA and the CAC will be coming together, most likely under the CAC's umbrella, because the CAC has the automatic bid, remember, for most of its sports, or at least the clock is still giving it it, and it hasn't run out. Um, the ACAA has no bids whatsoever. So if they went under the ACAA umbrella, they'd have to start a, a new process. So most likely going under the CAC umbrella in terms of, of structure – I don't know, honestly, um, excuse me, my monitor is blinking out over here, so it's bugging me. I don't know for sure if uh, how it's all going to work, but I am told from my sources that the ACAA and the CAC would come together as quickly as next August 
to form a conference to essentially just hold on to an AQ. For the ACA teams, give them a chance. For the CAC teams, hold on to it. Remember, the CAC will, will lose York after this year. They will retain St. Mary's and, Saint, and Southern Virginia for one more season, and then they leave for their respective groups. Southern Virginia going to the USA South, and St. Mary's, for some reason, going to the, to the NEAC. Um, but this will hold on to an, an AQ in sports like basketball. Um, it also essentially, and this is something I didn't talk at the start of the show, it, what it will also do, and this I think is something no one realizes, it will essentially end Pool B. Pool B will go away because remember you need a certain amount of teams to give that up. So it's I think it's the ratio is what? Well, it's ratio is tough, but it's about nine and a, nine and a half to one or something like that. So if you got about nine teams to ten teams, then you get that Pool B. So now all the Pool B is the AEC, which is in its last year of waiting to get an automatic bid, and and they will get it next year, and um, the the ACAA. The members of the ACAA. There's no independents that aren't somewhat involved with the ACAA. So that would end all of them. And uh, we wouldn't have a pool B. And so that extra bid will automatically go into pool C. Technically an extra bid in, in men's and women's basketball for an at-large team because pool B will not absorb it. That's just a, an interesting aha. Uh, other ramifications. The ACAA, for example, has Whitewater in its conference for soccer. I would assume Whitewater would somehow stay affiliated with this new merger so that they still have a chance at an AQ. Because remember, the, the WIAC does not have an, uh, it doesn't even have a conference for men's soccer. Um, I think that may change. I think the WIACs are look, some of the WIACs are looking to, to broaden that sport. Um, I don't know, though. Those are the particulars I have not been able to nail down. Sunday, hopefully, we'll have more information on it. But at this time, I'm told a meeting happened last night and the ACAA and the CAC agreed to come together as soon as next academic year as a conference. Um, and so there you go. That's the big news that we have tonight on the show. And that, I believe, will wrap up our show. I'm just double-checking your streams, see if anybody is... Uh, joined in. Uh, Travis says, my alma mater, SLU, is going through growing pains with a young team. Been tough to watch. Union could easily win the LL, especially with the D1 transfer they have playing now. Yeah, Union could absolutely win it, Travis. I'm, I'm not doubting that. Um, I think RPI is going to have a say in that, certainly. Um, I just don't, I don't think much of the conference right now. I, unfortunately, it's not as strong as it used to be. Uh, the Hartwicks and the Hobarts haven't been as strong as they've been. Um, even the RITs, the RPI, I mean, St. Lawrence, I mean, St. Lawrence used to be really good and it just isn't there. And so union could absolutely win the conference, no doubt. Um, but I don't think they go into the NCAA tournament with a lot of, of, uh, people buying in to the Dutchman. I could be wrong. Absolutely could be wrong, but that's just how I see it. Excuse me. A few hiccups there. All right. That's going to wrap it up. We're going to be back on the air Sunday. 7 o'clock Eastern time. A reminder, as my monitor continues to flip out on me, um, I got a loose cable somewhere. Uh, a reminder that, oh, there it is. Yeah, I might want to stop doing that. Uh, a reminder that next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, we will not be on the air. We will be um, on the air the following day, on Monday instead. We'll get you details. But a reminder, a week from today is supposed to be the marathon, and we will be working 
extremely hard in the next five days to solidify that. We, I've also made the decision we're going to make another advertising push at the end of this week, beginning of next week, to get people on board to advertise on the show. But we will likely re, restart our fundraising efforts that we put aside for a few years. Um, how we will, you, what platform will we we will use? I have not determined. Um, but we will start. We, we may even use two platforms. I have a couple ideas. But we will restart that, look for information. We'll make that big one. We'll make the marathon the big push on that. But right now, the plan would be going on the air at 12 o'clock Eastern time. Um, interviews with with whomever we decide to talk to until about 8 o'clock Eastern time. And then our patented happy hour starting at about 8 o'clock uh, and going for an hour at least, if not a little longer. So there you go. There's Hoopsville for you in a nutshell. Um, I may have... Uh, Permanently damaged a cable here, which is a shame, but we'll get that fixed for Sunday, too. That's going to do it for us on this show. Thank you, everybody who tuned in. I want to thank all the guests uh, that we had on the show as well, um, especially a couple who tap danced with what was a very tight schedule on our end to get some segments pre-taped. Of course, it starts with Mount Union and um, Mike Fuline uh, for joining us to talk about the absolute statement win last night against Marietta 107.70 and where Mount Union now stands. I want, to thank, um, I want to thank him for coming on the show, certainly, in that regard. Um, from Keystone, or from Cortland, let's do this in order, J.C. Brooks, the head coach of the women's program there, I want to thank her for coming on. From Keystone in the WBCA Center Court segment, Christina Danella for coming on the show, and from Pacific, Alicia Parker. She's actually Alicia Parker, just recently married. Want to thank her for coming on the show as well. Of course, uh, a lot of the work in behind the scenes is thanks to SIDs. Friend, uh, Fran Elia from Cortland, big help in getting uh, the Cortland segment put together. Casey Kopka from Mount Union. Of course, Lenny Reich, our friend. I want to thank them for their help for getting um, the segment put together. I also want to thank, um, excuse me, Daniel, um, Dan, Daniel. Danny Campbell at Pacific for his help and Ryan Novitsky at Keystone for their help in getting the segments put together. Really couldn't do it without them. I want to thank our partners also at Blue Frame Technology for their assistance, as we've thanked them many times. Um, of course, if you're able to watch us on the Team One Sports app, you can watch us on Apple TV, Roku, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. By the way, you can also watch us on TeamOneSports.com slash Hoopsville. That's another way you can watch us online. You can also watch our shows on demand in any of those avenues. We want to thank them also for being the uh, title sponsor of the hotline this year. Once again, the second year that they've been part of that. If you have any streaming thoughts or want to switch carriers maybe, or you need a, an upgrade to your streaming capabilities, give Blue Frame a call. They're more than happy to help you out. Um, you can look them up online at blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. And tell them I sent them your way. Well, that always helps us with our relationships with our partners as well. If you're interested in advertising on the show, whether you're a school, a conference, or a business, let us know. We, we have ad advertising space, and we would love to have you. We have packages available, discount for the rest of the season. So let us know, and we'll get you on board. That'll do it for us. You've been listening to Hoops Hill, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. Can't uh, do this show without the help from those of my crew at D3Hoops.com and, of course, WBCA and NABC as well. And thanks for all of you who tuned in. Really appreciate it. Thanks to all the coaches who came on. 
We'll look forward to talking to all of you down the road as well as we... Oh, you know what, Travis? I almost forgot. Uh, you asked a question um, regarding St. Thomas and his D1 conference standing. Uh, aha, I almost forgot. Travis, really quick before I wrap up, um, uh, we're waiting to see if D1 approves a D3 to D1 avenue. That will take place this week. If that takes place, then we wait to see if St. Thomas is approved to be part of that new avenue. We would think that the two are synonymous because it, it's being created with St. Thomas in mind. If D1 denies that avenue, then it's over, and we start looking at where they may go in D3. I don't think they go to D2. That's certainly on the table, too, but I forgot to mention. NCAA convention, that's where D1 is discussing the possibility of having St. Thomas or, or opening a portal that would allow D3 teams to jump to D1 in some way, putting that roadmap together. If they approve that roadmap, then they would say, will St. Thomas be approved to take that roadmap this year? I'm told that may be delayed until April, and we may not get an answer this week, but we may get a hint. Sorry, Travis, totally forgot to answer that question. We can dive into it more Sunday when we get more information on what did or did not happen in Anaheim. So there you go. And with that, we wrap things up. Thanks to our partners at the NABC, WBCA, D3Hoops.com. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you Sunday uh, as we hit the air, 7 o'clock Eastern for a fun show. And don't forget, a week from today, it's our marathon show starting at 12 p.m. Eastern, and we'll go for at least eight, uh, well, probably nine, maybe ten hours, talking nothing but Division Three basketball. And we hope you'll join us. You'll listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and NABC studios. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. And you have. Thanks. See you Sunday.